0: You have a legal pad. I know. I know <laughs> all
1: these notes. Yeah, get it seriously. It <laughs> well, <me.
0: laughs> well, you know <clears throat> what? I what happens to me a lot is, and I, I'm trying to practice this. I think it's a skill that you can improve upon. Is uh, in the in the middle of conversation, there's something that I want to say, but then my guest will transition to a different thought, and then I'll lose what I was going to ask them. And so, if there's something I really want to say, I'll just make a quick note of it. That way, if the conversation veers in uh unexpected directions as it usually does i can uh, i can look back at my notes and say oh that's what i wanted to ask them so
1: but i do i do appreciate it I, <laughs> I do i do it's
0: only fitting right i mean <laughs> you know you're being being an attorney um how are you thank you for being here first of all
1: yeah thank you for having me on a sunday so this is going to be pretty fun a Yeah. Little, I, I, you know a little chill little S- less sunday rehearsed. lounge day i know it's sunday lounge day
0: i doubt you lounge
1: i mean no no yeah. i don't no. yeah
0: tell me about the uh, well, well, first of all, um, I, I have been a fan of your Instagram page, specifically your loyal talk, lawyer talk Thursdays. I love those videos.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: and and we'll get into that in a bit. But I want to hear about your lunch challenge. Somebody just dared you to to do some lunges and you kicked their ass?
1: Yeah, so I thought it would be fun. Like, I'm always looking for these challenges, right? to prove, to people to myself that I can do stuff right oh. so some um, i was like oh man wouldn't it be cool if i did like a whole whole mile of walking lunges and somebody looked at me and was like that's impossible I'm like okay all right bro <laughs> yeah. Up. yeah and my trainers even like hey hey rabdo's a thing like are you are you going to be okay like are you going to do this and i was like Ah. so my friend Amy and I, uh, we had done a couple weeks ago. We did a half mile. We set out for a quarter mile and we did a half mile. And then this time we were going to do three quarters and we're just like, screw it, let's go. And did we did the whole while. thing. Yeah. in like 45 minutes, it. It's amazing what you can do. Just walking lunches the whole time, chatting, whatever. Yeah, so it's pretty sweet.
0: Did you win anything aside from bragging rights and the sweet satisfaction of I told you so?
1: Oh, I love I told you so. (laughs) (laughs) This is like my, it is the best currency. (laughs) Other Honesty and I told you so are currencies that we don't use often enough. (laughs) Let me tell you. Uh, But yeah, no, it was great. But now it's like, well, shit, what do I do next? Like a mile of burpee long jumps? Like Mm. what what am I going to do? And I was really never athletic, right? I was kind of like a roly poly kid and super uncoordinated. So now that I can push myself mentally in a state where I can do these cool physical things is awesome.
0: Mm. Yeah. I think that is pretty cool. So is this a fairly new thing for you? The, the uh, pushing yourself in workouts?
1: Not really. I've done a Tough Mudder. I've done a bunch of adventure races. So, um, but I'm just not like I'm not really good at it, right? And typically high performers, which I would like to label myself, but you know, life, uh, we don't like to do things we're not good at. Mm. And so we abandon that without even thinking about it, right? We self-select and then we're like, okay, let's focus on these really things that we're really great at. And so this physical stuff to me gives me so much of a high, but also is one of those things like it's healthy, it's a challenge, it's a way to grow and- not great at it, mm-hmm. right? I'm just average, mediocre, which is a problem for me sometimes, right? But it's fun to push. It's
0: probably a good thing though to to commit yourself to something that you don't feel very good at. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, it always gives you. It always reminds me, it reminds you that there's work to be done.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, there's work to be done in everything, but I feel like I'm so I'm so mediocre at this stuff. But I've been the same weight since I was in sixth grade. What? Yes. I've been the same. Wait, wait, wait. How's, that, roly how's that possible? Poly oh, yeah.
0: How I, tall were you in
1: sixth grade? Like five feet. Like I was huge. I was big. Yeah. And I was really poly and freckly and like dorky Kansas. Uh. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And so I still remember I'm scarred for life. Sixth grade, we had those presidential fitness tests. You know, do you remember those? I don't know if they had them here. Vaguely. But. But like, you know, how many pull-ups you could do? Well, none because I was huge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like,
1: how fast could you run? And I was still pretty fast, you know. I could get that momentum going. But I was, yeah, 130 pounds since I was in sixth grade. And I remember that piece of paper like I looked at it today. And it mm. was so motivating for me going forward. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it was one of those times in my life where I was just floored. Because at that point, I think I finally realized, like, numbers mean something to society, that stuff means something. And I was always just kind of a a fat kid that played with the boys, but I would be, you know, I'd beat them at sports. I play football. I play basketball, you know, stuff like that. But I was also just bigger. Yeah.
0: So as you got older, you got a little bit taller and thinner. A little bit taller, a little bit thinner.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, I juice fast. I do all that kind of stuff. um, Yeah. Weren't
0: you vegan for a while?
1: I am vegan, although, (laughs) although. I've reincorporated eggs into my diet, and so that's awesome because okay. they're delicious. But I think I need to go back to uh, to straight, like strict vegan.
0: Uh, I'm actually eating hard-boiled eggs yesterday and today. I haven't had a hard-boiled egg in about eight years since the last time I cut weight for an MMA fight. And I'm doing it because some I, I think hard-boiled eggs are gross, but um, my friend bet me that he could lose fifteen pounds before I can. I'm like, all right. Hard boiled eggs it is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, are you tracking calories or protein or how are you doing it? I'm
0: not really tracking calories. Actually, I never cut weight by counting calories. I've never counted calories in my life, but I just know, (laughs) I know what is normal intake for me uh, just based on like how much I'm eating in a day and how much I'm working out. And so I know that if I reduce my eating a little bit and up my cardio a little bit, I'm going to burn fat. I'm going to get a little slimmer and vice versa. So that's just kind of, um, I'm pretty in tune with my workouts and my weight. So I don't need to count calories.
1: Yeah. So what do you use like a fitness tracker for anything? I just signed up for whoop. I don't know if you know what that is. No, I don't. It measures sleep, recovery, strain in your day, like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, I need to know (laughs) because I'm a chronic (laughs) overworker, work out too much, don't sleep. Like it, when I put it on, it was analyzing my body and it says, You need nine hours and four minutes of sleep. And I was like, That's two nights of sleep for me. Ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen, but it's pretty cool. So I'm trying that. The S- Apple S- Watch sucks. Fitbits suck. Um, I'm not really like an outdoorsy runner. So, like a Garmin to me doesn't make sense, but
0: I refuse to wear a Fitbit. Yeah. I just won't do it.
1: Just because? I think if
0: you're fit, you don't need a Fitbit.
1: <laughs> Words to live by. Okay. There you go. There you go.
0: Um, How much do you, How much are you sleeping?
1: Uh, not enough. Usually. Like, like what?
0: Like a few hours a night?
1: No. I mean, I would love to learn how to sleep on four hours a night. That'd be great. Or learn how to function on four hours of sleep a night. It's but, not
0: something you can learn. Yeah. You're, you're either born with that or you're not. And as a matter of fact, I've listened to Dr. Matthew Walker talk about this. People who like to claim that they're that tiny percentage of the population that can run on four to five hours of sleep and be healthy. And he said that number of people represented as a percentage of the population around it to uh, a full number is basically zero.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm definitely not if I'm, there is one <laughs> or two of them, right. I'm not that person.
0: Yeah. So well, I don't
1: know, five, <laughs> six hours, sometimes seven if I'm lucky.
0: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I, so I, I used to think that way. I used to think that it was just about being tough right? Like that attitude of like, I'll sleep when I die. You know, I'm, I got to get things done. I have, I'm busy. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a hard worker. I'm a go-getter. And then I, I was also, again, uh, Matthew Walker, I was listening to him talk and he said, if you sleep less than seven hours a night, what you're trying to do is trying to boil a pot of water on low heat. And it's just going to take longer. So why not get your seven hours and then be a lot more productive in your workday and you can accomplish a lot more. Um, with, with, you you know, you can sleep a little bit more, but you can also have a lot more productivity and energy to get things done during the day, as opposed to doing it the other way around.
1: Yeah, I agree. When I do, I see that, right? When I get enough sleep, it's like, I'm on my game. And if I don't, I'm crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I watched your Laura talk Thursday and we talked about this a little bit before the podcast on Mm -hmm. OnlyFans. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so what's uh, what's the deal with OnlyFans? What were you trying to tell people?
1: Um, I mean, I think OnlyFans is really interesting. I think just the discussion of sex work is interesting in general, right? Because you're usually one side or the other. You're usually <clears throat> vehemently against it, or you're like accepting of it as work. And whether or not we want to admit it, there are sex workers in this society, in El Paso, everywhere in the world. And they're using it as a way, you know, some of it is repression, trafficking, you know, stuff like that, right? But there's also women who legitimately choose sex work as a career and because they want to. And I personally think that some of that stuff should not be illegal for sure. Uh, And then also, you know, OnlyFans is pretty interesting. Um, it started as a, essentially a platform. If you haven't seen the documentary, right? I'm not going to spoil the documentary. I haven't. It's on Hulu. It's really great. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's worth, worth the hour of time. But it tracks three people that use OnlyFans as a revenue source. And most of them are showing nudes, doing that type of stuff on OnlyFans. But it has transitioned to there's comedians on OnlyFans, Mm -hmm. there's celebrities on OnlyFans. It's basically just a subscription service. And then you put whatever content you want on that page. So most of the time, I mean, it could be porn, it could be nudes, it could be all that kind of stuff, right? And then you have your special, you know… I guess, pay-per-view type stuff where you release a photo or a video and you have to pay extra for that. But mm. you can charge whatever you want for a subscription and then they can view your page. And so that's that's kind of the gist of OnlyFans. And it's definitely not illegal, right? Because you're not exchanging money for sex. So that, that stuff. Of course, if it's a child or something like that we're not talking about that we're talking about consenting adults sharing that right. type of material and art
0: what's interesting to me is that we somehow decided to draw the line at intercourse like it, it, there's so many other things that you could do that are that are sexual for money like you can go to a strip club and get a lap dance you could sign up for only fans you could watch porn you could do a, a bunch of things but as soon as you get to maybe not necessarily intercourse, but just like physical uh, uh, touching or or you know touching or doing stuff with genitals, that's where we decide to draw. Well, the
1: we're line. going there in minute yeah. seven, so that's great. Uh, isn't yeah. that isn't
0: that like why do we draw the line there? And uh, I mean, I, you said you don't think it should be illegal, and I don't think it should be illegal either. I think if you're an adult, you ought to do whatever the hell you want. I mean, if you want to sell. Um, physical sex, go ahead and do so. And if you want to do virtual sex, then go ahead and do that too. What's the difference exactly? What's the difference between between having virtual sex with somebody on camera or doing it in person? It's like we come up with these arbitrary lines of what's right and wrong and none of it seems to add up.
1: Right. I, I mean, I think it's a lot political. I think it's a lot religious, certainly too. Um, I think the fear, the fears that I've heard are essentially, you know, a fear that people will step out of a relationship if they could easily ex- access paid sex, right? prostitution something like that. I've I've heard fears of, you know, it's going to run just like like the conversation about cannabis, right? The conversation about legalizing drugs in general, or anything that's a little taboo. It's like, well, if you make it accessible, we're going to have more addicts and this and that, and and that's not statistically or scientifically true. You can more easily regulate it. In the case of of legalizing cannabis, tons of tax revenue, tons of jobs. But in the area of, of sex work, you know, if that's regulated, then People are getting more access to drug tests, to right. health care, to whatever it is. And anytime you criminalize things and force them underground, you start having different problems, right?
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: So that that's kind of my perspective on it. I'm sure somebody's going to use this at some point to be like, she wants, you know, sex everywhere and drugs everywhere. <laughs> and, you know, I, my next week lawyer talk, spoiler alert, is on needle exchange. Oh, Is a needle exchange program. Yeah. So, so. Here's the deal, right? We know there are addicts using, you know, any kind of opiates, heroin, whatever, right? In El Paso, throughout Texas. So in other cities, San Antonio has the only really legal, like, needle exchange program. Are you familiar with what those are?
0: No, I'd never heard of needle exchange until now. So
1: needle exchange is essentially the community, the government, an organization, whatever, um, sets up a place where addicts can come and get clean needles, And so they can trash, instead of throwing shit on the street, they can trash their needles safely at this location and then get new needles. But really what it is, right, is a place where you can have an interaction with these folks and tell them, you know, here are the resources, right, here are free HIV tests, here's some healthcare information. And statistically, it shows it doesn't increase crime, it cleans up the streets as far as there's not needles and parks and things like that, or at least less of them, um, and then gives those people an opportunity to get help. Mm-hmm. And it's an interaction that those folks wouldn't have with a person otherwise. So they're really effective, really helpful, um, but they've sort of tried it a little bit in El Paso and what's happening because paraphernalia is still illegal is people are getting arrested. And so it's not oh. building that trusting relationship that could lead to more addicts getting help, getting them off the street, getting them out of that cycle of addiction. Rather, they're going to jail and perpetuating that stuff. So it's worked in San Antonio. There's been some some good results. And then I believe Austin may have one too. But just the the vibe in El Paso is, is not the same and the police department doesn't seem to be cooperating.
0: Do some people argue that maybe that's... Contributing to further enabling of those behaviors that you're telling people, like, you can come here and get clean needles as opposed to come over here and sign up for this program that'll help you get sober?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's the same argument for legal- making prostitution illegal or cannabis or whatever. It's that, you know, you're pr- going to perpetuate the problem. In reality, statistically, scientifically, if you look at the research, needle exchange programs work and they don't increase crime.
0: They work in what way though? What, like, what's, What exactly are they helping with?
1: Sure. So they're helping with community health. So fewer cases of hepatitis, HIV, all that kind of stuff. I mean, drug users use needles over and over and over again because right. they don't have access to clean ones. Um, they help make the streets safer in the sense that Disposal of needles. They're not happening in your community parks where kids can and animals can get a hold of them. I mean, those little changes on the broad grand scheme of things, they're not stopping opioid addiction, right? Right. But they're helping more people get into transitional centers and they're creating a space where you can have access with folks that you wouldn't otherwise have access with. Because the draw is not, you know, you're deep in your addiction and you're gonna go get treatment. Like, That's not the draw is you're gonna get a clean needle, right? That's helping with public safety, but also it's a springboard to get that help to understand that there are places to so it's kind of like
0: you're gonna be a prostitute anyway, you might as well do it legally and get blood work
1: and and, yeah, and and protect yourself. Right. Like that's that's the argument. Again, you know, we're already getting into some highly polarized issues.
0: Isn't everything? Uh, isn't, well, everything polarizing isn't, these isn't everything
1: like, polarizing so these days? Somebody
0: told me one time, "Oh, you like to talk about controversial topics." I said, "Is there any other kind?" <laughs> I mean, right. you could you could have controversy over tea versus coffee. Like people can take everything out That's of, true. You know, you can stretch everything out. That's true. So it it's so it's not really addressing the issue of addiction. It's just saying that like you're an addict, and we're not here to tell you to change your lifestyle, but we're gonna try to help you not make things worse by using dirty needles.
1: For sure, and it it's an area where they would have access to that information, right? Okay. That stuff is so underground that, that they're not gonna come seek out, you know, somebody's not gonna walk into rehab. It's very, very low likelihood. Some people do it, but, right? So it's another interaction with that folk, or that person to show that there are resources. If they wanna get out of that cycle, there are resources. That maybe they otherwise wouldn't be aware of. And then getting that free testing and healthcare. That's another huge thing too.
0: So they they can go over there and they'll talk to them about 12-step programs?
1: Mm, they'll go and talk about what researcher what resources are available, right? So I mean, I'm a recovering alcoholic. So I'm doing the 12-step stuff too. And when you're deep in your addiction, you aren't looking for help, right? You are, but when you build a trusting relationship with someone who maybe can help you get out of it, which is kind of how mine worked, then you're more open to it. Hmm. But when cops are getting involved and you're like, hey, I'm going to go get a clean needle or I'm going to go get this. Right. And then you get arrested. Like there is no chance of that trusting relationship. Right, right. So that's that's why cities need buy in from the community and law enforcement.
0: Are 12 step programs helpful? I've always wondered. <laughs> I don't think I could ever make it through one. why is that well at the risk of sounding immodest i don't think i could get past the requirement of having to having to believe in a power greater than myself
1: Hmm. okay all right i mean that's that's certainly certainly something that people struggle with in the program but whoa the ego let me tell you ladies and gentlemen
0: (laughs) um are they are they helpful though you think Uh, absolutely yeah oh yeah or is it is it one of those things like I, I've wondered, is it uh like when those people go, Oh, um, I, I found Jesus and he and he saved my life, or I found basketball and it changed my life, or art or whatever it is. It's like, did you find that thing that changed your life or were you looking for a change? And then it was just a matter of what got there first, whether it was a 12-step program or Jesus or art or yoga or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like yeah. where was, was that person already at a point where they recognize you know, like I'm flushing my life down the toilet. I need to do something about this. And then, Oh, look, here's an AA meeting or here's a, a, a church or you know, whatever it is.
1: Well, it's not like that though. I mean, you, it's very specialized to the, to the particular type of, of issue you have. And, and I wasn't flushing my life down the toilet. I mean, for all objective purposes, I was highly successful. I was doing what I needed to do. I was making money. I had a great, and still do have a great partner. Uh, everything business was booming. I was healthy, right? But I'm still an addict. And so for me, or an alcoholic, I guess, uh, for me, like, I didn't think I had a problem until you go into these meetings. And I had a friend who um, was talking about like her recovery. I saw a post about it and I started asking her about it and she poured her heart out to me and she's an amazing woman and asked me to go with her to a meeting. And I went and you hear people say things in these meetings like, oh, holy crap, I felt like that. Oh, man, I did that oh, whoa, 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 maybe, maybe, I no, I don't think so. Like, I've never been to jail. Mm. I've never like, you know, drank my way out of a relationship. Like, I'm not an alcoholic. And then you just listen to these folks talk and you realize for the first time ever you are with a group of people that truly understand you. Some of them are high-functioning. Some of them are not, but you share that common thing. And so for me, that was the buy-in right like that was the buy in and yeah i mean i'm working the the 12 step program and re- your concern is super difficult for me too right because i didn't grow up religious at all
0: oh well, i all, did or spiritual I, I did and i'm half joking yeah.
1: yeah but for me like that was that was the toughest thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh kansas
0: is not a religious place
1: it is but um was your so, family
0: a bunch of hippies <laughs> Away,
1: <laughs> I wish no, the no, cannabis,
0: no. it's all coming together. No, no, now. no, 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 I'm the only
1: family. Hippie. <laughs> no, my dad's Puerto Rican, grew up Catholic. My mom, um, who Methodist, I think, I don't know but they just didn't incorporate religion in my life. Gotcha. And so I grew up mostly like a scientist. And one time in college, I went to this church. There was a pretty like new agey progressive church. And I was like, okay, here's my books, right? Like explain to me the dinosaurs mm. and explain to me how that coincides with like all this other stuff and convince me that like this shit is true. And she couldn't do it. And mm. then I just walked out and that was it
0: how logical of you
1: <laughs> i'm like i'm open to your arguments but just tell me right
0: yeah um yeah i get into uh, some religious arguments religious i don't really argue because I, I just you know their mind is made up and i don't i'm not trying to convince them otherwise but uh say my sister and her husband uh, they're they're a christian and they're devout christians and l- as a matter of fact the last time my brother-in-law was on the podcast he's an ophthalmologist uh, dr matthew porter and he's talking about how magnificent the eye is he's talking about like when he went through medical school and ophthalmology and learned about the eye and he's like the structure is so magnificent that i have to believe there's a higher power that did this in the same conversation and I, did, I didn't say this on the podcast, I was thinking it, but I was like, uh, not today. Uh, <laughs> like we'll save it for a family dinner. In the same conversation, he's he's a glaucoma surgeon. And so if the eye is so magnificent, why do you have a job? There wouldn't be glaucoma if it was this perfect structure. There wouldn't be cataracts. There wouldn't be, people wouldn't need contacts and people wouldn't go blind from, from uh, uh, whatever, retinal detachment and all these things. And so I think you pick and choose whatever you want, uh, uh, whatever helps fit the narrative that you want to tell yourself, the narrative that you want to live your life by. And you can certainly find those meanings if you search for them. It's kind of like when people look at their horoscope and they say, oh my God, this describes me perfectly. <laughs> what, meanwhile, that horoscope describes another uh, eight different people that have different birth dates. Yet, it, yet they, can, they can extract the meaning that they want out of out of what they're reading. And I feel like that's symbolic of religion as well. I think they go hand in hand.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I will say, uh, as I've been challenging my beliefs in a higher power, I certainly have had a better life, right? So whether that's the argument of, you know, religion or spirituality is that opiate, right, that makes you feel better or it takes the stress off or, you know, it's like, oh, it's in God's hands, right? Like, so, so I don't have to worry about it. But I—I I mean, my life's been better. I'm also sober, so that probably helps. But now,
0: what, real quick, what do you mean by sober? You never have alcohol anymore? None. 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 You, you don't do like the weekend glass nope. of wine? Nope, nada. nada. Is that because once you start, you can't stop? Like with me and potato chips. And <laughs> like once I open a bag of potato <laughs> chips, I gotta eat the whole thing. Like. Yeah, yeah, that
1: was <laughs> that was my thing. Right? Is is I? There's in the book, and and the saying is like when you control, for me, right, I experienced like when you control your drinking, you don't have fun. And when you have fun, you're not in control. And so that like, for me, sort of describes my relationship with alcohol. And like at the end of the day, I don't need it. So why? Right. Right? Like I can, I can live this life without alcohol, but I used it much like a lot of us that I mean, you're Vastly younger than me, but <laughs> of our age groups, uh, Don't be giving
0: away secrets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm an old lady.
1: Uh, but we use that to mask a lot of the issues that we deal with, just like anything else, right? So what I experienced was you stop drinking, and then it's this like massive roller coaster of crappy emotions, and you can't rely on that crutch anymore, and so you sit in this. I. I sort of describe it as like a lobster boiling. Like the feeling that I think that that lobster is experiencing is just the fear and the pain and the anxiety and just sitting with it and you learn how to cope yourself or with a higher power or with friends or with family in a healthy way, right? So that's So that helps me now, right, not rely on alcohol or anything else unhealthy to deal with my shit because every day is a new problem or challenge.
0: You must have channeled that through something else, though. If if you got rid of the alcohol, you you must have introduced something else that when you're stressed, when you need to cope, you do. Was that working out? Was that starting a new business? Was that doing your Lawyer Talk Thursdays?
1: Work. Uh, definitely work and working out for sure. And reading more. Um, But like the actual stress, like I have a Peloton. And so I, I call it getting out the bitch in the mornings. And if I know, right, <laughs> yes. that I'm having a day like Tundi and I get 20 minutes on that Peloton. She's the greatest Peloton instructor ever. <laughs> and, and then I feel like totally better. Uh-huh. But yeah, you gotta, you gotta challenge it. And you gotta know yourself. That's the deal, right? Like you I don't think people really take enough time to know themselves.
0: Oh, good point. I think so too. I, I definitely think so. Well, people aren't really uh, uh, challenged enough, I feel like. And so, you, you, I mean, you discover who you are through adversity. Like, um, there, there's a phenomenal quote. I'm a quote nut, I, I just I love quotes. Um, it said, adversity does not change people or does not strengthen people, it reveals them, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, And I think that's true. I think when you're going through hard times, you find out what you're made of. And not enough people go through hard times. I mean, yes, we all, I mean, you could, of course, you know, people are going to start, oh, well, last year, everybody went through a hard time. Yes, sure, everybody, a lot of people are going through hard times, but, you know, there's like real challenges, like real difficulties. Not a lot of people go through that in America, at least. Not a lot of people go through, you know, being worried about, um, uh, where's my next meal going to come from? That kind of thing. Like, am I going to have shelter tonight? Um, as a percentage, like I know, yes, there's homeless people who go through that, but there's also obese homeless people in America, which is, which is kind of an interesting thing to see, right? Like there's yeah. such a surplus of calories in this country.
1: Well, or like or it's a it's a obese. health issue, or it's a food desert issue, or it's all that kind of stuff. So don't don't be throwing stones, sir. <laughs> don't be throwing stones. No,
0: I'm just saying I, I don't know what their what their health is like. I don't know what their vitamin levels and all that is. But uh, when you see a homeless person who's obese, you go, well, he's getting fed.
1: Yeah, crap. Probably, probably. poor poor probably. person. Yeah. Uh,
0: but I mean, a lot of people have the means to have their own chef, and they still prefer the junk
1: mm, I, that that's true like we have a real issue with excess that's for certainly sure. true like for sure. if, if we weren't so addicted to excess insert whatever thing here right then there would be a lot more to go around
0: yeah i think so too I definitely think so. Um, We waste 30% of our food supply in America, which I think is uh, horrific. That's enough food for a hundred million people that goes in the trash every day. It's just insane to me. And then only about 20, I don't know how accurate the survey is, but only, uh, but people reported that they, their, their eating is only driven by hunger 20% of the time. The other eighty percent is like, well, I'm bored, or you know, I'm my Bad. friends. Yeah, somebody offered me a snack, or I'm sad, or I'm stress eating, uh, or it's just it's lunchtime, so I better eat now because I'm not going to have another break for five hours. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, very unhealthy.
1: Yeah, you know what's really freeing is like. But I do it too. Yeah, I, I'm guilty. <laughs> yeah. But what's really freeing is when I I'm about to do uh, another juice fast Monday through Wednesday, um, but it's really freeing like. Like, I just grab a juice. I don't have to plan. I don't have to do dishes. I don't have to do anything. And yeah. It, yeah. So, like, a lot of it is motivated by emotion, a lot of the, what we eat and all that stuff. And it, it's crazy. But um, yeah, it always bothers me when people like, like, go out to eat, right? And then they leave food and then don't take it home. It mm. like blows my oh, yeah. mind. Oh, yeah. It blows my mind. I've seen in other places where there's, um, some sort of nonprofit that not necessarily collects the food on people's plate but any excess that was cooked that they can't like use and and collects that and then sends it to people who who don't have food right cuz restaurants have a lot of waste too even not in the things that people order but extra that they cook or they keep in stock or that's right. going to go bad or stuff like that so there's a lot of waste it's bothersome to
0: me yeah me too big time that's why i'm very anti all you can eat buffets I hate those places. Like, I I just can't stand it. And what I really like is just the the gluttony and the wastefulness of people. Like, they paid a certain amount of money, and now they have access to all this food, and so they're just going to throw away most of it. Like, they're not even eating it. They fill a plate. They take two bites. They throw it away. They go get another one, and they do that until they're full, and they throw away more than they eat. I I hate that. Mm -hmm. It really bothers me. I'm not saying we should make buffets illegal, (laughs) Um, but I wish people would take that personal accountability. And, you know, like, just like, why? Like, you think about how much you're wasting. It all comes back. It all comes back around. Like, we're all connected. Everything that you waste, you didn't just waste that plate of food. You wasted the resources that went into making it, transporting it, Uh, all those resources, everything that went into how this food ended up on your plate, which is a long process with many, many steps. You just, you threw all that down the trash. Full cost accounting. If people would think about that.
1: Right. If people, if people understood that, I mean, a lot of it's ignorance. And I can't say that I begin to understand everything and that I don't do stuff like that because we are all guilty of it. Right. I don't want anybody being like, well, she can talk because she just, you know, I just saw her out at at the outlet's shopping for shit she probably doesn't need yeah. right like absolutely we're all guilty of it i think just being conscious about it when you're making your decisions and and even if you make a decision to buy a bunch of new stuff that maybe you you only wear once or you throw away some leftovers if you're thinking of it then little by little it'll change your habits
0: right right yeah, yeah for sure um <clears throat> You're a cannabis advocate.
1: Yes, for sure. Why? Uh, because, um, well, I'm not going to say this on uh, <laughs> no. Um, so maybe I don't know. Theoretically, my mom grew some in our basement when we were, uh, sorry, hypothetically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um, I actually don't consume. Okay, I don't. But I'm a huge cannabis advocate. I think it's medicine to to most people. Um, I think it's silly that we can have alcohol be legal, right? And run around and have people getting DWIs and causing deaths and doing shit like that. And you, when was the last time you saw a crash from a pothead who killed somebody or somebody overdose on- Well, I
0: think they got some in Denver now.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, up in Colorado. Right.
0: Now, the, uh, cu- uh, what I'm curious to know, however, is have the number of car accidents, uh, uh, marijuana related car accidents gone up, but the number of alcohol related car accidents gone down, and is it a wash or how is the scale tipping? That's what I'd like to know. And I haven't yeah. looked into it. Uh, yeah, I haven't should. either.
1: I haven't either. But its I mean, it's medicine. It helps people. It helps people more than drugs. It helps get people off of pills. Yeah, those are more addicting. And I don't buy the BS that it's a gateway drug. Like, I i, I don't buy that BS. That's, that's the biggest piece of bullshit propaganda that people are beating other people. I, I just, I disagree. It's not a gateway drug.
0: What makes you say that?
1: Because that's the excuse that people who are against cannabis use to keep it illegal. It's, it's not. There's no scientific, in my mind, right, that can legitimately, scientifically prove that this is a gateway drug. Not at all. So I view cannabis as medicine. Um, it is less dangerous and less addictive than any pills or opioids or the stuff that we readily prescribe. I mean, the rate of prescription drugs is just crazy. You can, telemedicine is insane. I mean, I don't know how you feel about telemedicine, but literally you can get on an app for $35 and talk to somebody and you will get a prescription, say whatever you need to say because they're not physically seeing you or anything. It's just oh yeah, I feel terrible. I have a headache. I have a, you know, whatever, get some antibiotics, get some, you know, whatever, Percocet, get some gabapentin. Like it's insane.
0: I've made a rather substantial investment in the app that you're referring to. If you're you're talking about (laughs) Teladoc, I've I've got quite a bit uh, invested in it. Oh, it's going to work. Certainly. I think so. Uh, I think, I think so. Um, the, the, the thing about the, the argument about it being a gateway drug, I don't know if it is or it isn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that that's that should even be part of the discussion when talking about whether or not we should legalize marijuana. I think if you want to fuck your life up doing marijuana and then go into to other uh, dangerous substances, that's on you. It's It's no different than if you want to just party away your whole paycheck and lose your house. I don't get to tell you not to. Uh, so I, I think if you want to smoke marijuana or, or do edibles or whatever the hell, you want to consume marijuana and you want to fuck your life up, who am I to tell you no? Mm-hmm. It's none of my business. It's not the government's business to parent adults. Like you, you don't babysit grownups. Yes, the government should advocate for children because children can't really speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's why we have laws that protect children from buying tobacco, alcohol, from having sex with adults, from uh, what, what, you know, there's all these laws that advocate for children and that's fine but once you reach a certain age once you're let's call it 21 um you know whatever pick a number let's call it 21 you ought to be able to drink you ought to be able to buy weed you ought to be able to uh, prostitute you ought to be able to do whatever the hell you want however i don't think you should vote until you're 25.
1: because of the frontal lobe development yes, or just, okay precisely I figured, I figured.
0: <laughs> if my car insurance didn't go down until I was 25 <laughs> why would I be able to vote to vote seven years prior to that and everybody knows this scientifically insurance companies talk about your insurance goes down when you turn 25 because your brain is not fully formed until that mm-hmm. point but you get to go vote on on issues that determine the fate of a nation this is absurd it's as absurd as making marijuana illegal. It's as absurd as having, what is it, 500,000 people in prison uh, on average on a daily basis for possession charges who who haven't been tried yet? Insane. It's absolute horseshit.
1: (laughs) Agree. Agree.
0: So are you not a marijuana user because it's not legal in Texas or or is it just not for you? You don't like it, but you don't think that other people should be prohibited from using it if they want to? Uh,
1: Both things, right? illegal in Texas. So if it problem. was legal, if but, it was legal things, and I
0: sparked up a joint right now,
1: you do you, <laughs> yeah. you, do you. but it, it's also not for me. It's, okay. it's just not. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not for me. Uh, but like, I agree. We shouldn't be babysitting adults with stuff like that to me. We, we shouldn't be. Um, and it does help so many people. I mean, it's, the medicinal value of cannabis is, is incredible from what I've seen in, in the research that I've done and, and the ways that that I've seen it work with, with people who who do consume. And so like again, why are we fighting this battle? Why are we wasting resources? You know, it costs over a hundred bucks a night in El Paso to house somebody in the county jail. Why the hell are we housing people in the county jail for low level crimes like criminal trespass and um, You know, and that could be something as simple as, like, they kick you out of a Circle K and you come back again for a Coke and then you get arrested, right? Um, Or possession of marijuana or any of that stuff. Now, there's site and release programs and stuff like that, but really that's controlled at the police chief and um, sheriff's level, right? Mm -hmm. So if they say no or if you have a little flower but also have an edible, you're getting arrested because the edible is still a felony. So we it's just insane to me and I I love your point is like why are so many people in jail over drug crimes? Yeah. Like and I get that argument like you're selling to, you know, if you sell to children and then you're Yeah, children aside. Saying, children we're aside. We're talking about
0: adults acting on their own accord. Right. Adults making their own decisions. Mm-hmm. Somebody decided to to smoke a joint. It's bullshit that we put people in prison for this. Yeah. some of them for I'm decades
1: in, in jail yeah and for so anything over four ounces possession of flour right anything over four ounces it up to five pounds is a stain jail felony possession right anytime you do manufacturing and delivery it increases the degree so you know if you have you're selling five pounds then that's going to be a third degree felony which is two to ten years in prison right for Some cannabis. It's it's craziness. Now I think the El Paso DA is doing a better job about like being compassionate about those cases. But what the fuck, Texas? Like get it together. Right. It's it's ridiculous because I was a part-time magistrate for a while. um, and so we would see, I mean, it's wasting our police resources. That's the thing that angers me. There's so many other crimes and things going on and domestic violence and, and other issues going on in all communities. Why are we wasting our cops time where they pick somebody up, you know, let's say it's a traffic stop, right? I'm very passionate about this. I hate this. Uh, it's a traffic stop. And (laughs) I know know. I've got
0: like three citations right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It pulls somebody over for speeding car smells like weed, pull the people out of the car, find, you know, a little bit of flour and then a package of edibles. Right. At that point, they're going to impound the car, They're going to cart the person off to jail because we've got a felony, right? They're going to sit or cart them off to the precinct, Westside, Pebble Hills, wherever you are, right? That person's going to sit there for eight hours or six hours. The cops are going to have to write up a report. Then somebody is going to have to bring that kid or whomever, right, adult, to downtown jail to be magistrated by a judge, then processed into jail. If they're lucky, they get a PR bond or bond out, then out of jail. I mean, the amount, sheer amount of resources and officer's time. Full cost insane. accounting. Yes, full cost. Yeah, absolutely. A ton. I, I, don't, I don't know j- how you feel about it, but I think it's ludicrous.
0: Yeah, it's not just $100 overnight in jail. It's it's the full cost accounting. The, the officer's time that arrested them, took them to jail, booked them in, then took them downtown, then the judge's time, the whatever. I don't know. All the
1: staff, everybody in the court, the
0: security, all of it. Yeah.
1: Everything, everything. So I, I think, I think it's just insane.
0: Not only that, but it seems like such an obvious thing that we can turn into a positive when it comes to property taxes, this is something that I've raved about a million times on the podcast and just about anybody who's ever talked to me has heard me bitch about property taxes because I think it's probably the most American, un-American thing in America. <laughs> um, the idea that I can be stripped of my home for lack of payment on the taxes is absolutely bullshit. And it's like, can we, you know, you would need some people to, to do the math. Um, people who understand business, like how, how much would marijuana sales help? in offsetting our property tax payments in El Paso and and the rest of the state, but let's just say El Paso because ours are pretty damn high. Mm -hmm. And so people who want to smoke marijuana are still getting it. People who want to do cocaine are getting it. People who want to do ecstasy are getting it. I I think this is such a failed exercise. It's embarrassing that we keep trying to pretend. It's like those parents, you know, those religious parents that have a kid who's a slut and they pretend that they're a virgin. You know what I mean? It's (laughs) like- (laughs) Like, everybody knows that the kid's a slut. Like, if you're... Well, let,
1: let's, even, let's even start talking about why we're using shitty labels like that, what do you mean? right? Like I don't
0: think slut is a shitty label. Well, most,
1: <laughs> most people think that's probably a terrible label and no one really aspires to be called... Okay, that's let's not, go. Let's okay. go. Fine, let's go. Like, that's, that's, that's another problem in in society, and it's like well. And, and like, by
0: the way, I did not specify boy or girl because like, either can be a slut. I know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> either can. It, I, don't, I don't know, what we're, but like, I mean. Again, who are we <laughs> to, to police adult behavior? That's
0: what that's exactly yeah. my point. I'm just saying that us pretending that having these marijuana laws is stopping people from smoking marijuana is like those parents who are in denial about their children's behavior.
1: Right.
0: And so like I told a friend of mine one time, I said, Let's both switch phones right now, and I'll call five random people off your contact list, you call five random people off of mine. Try to get some weed in the next couple hours. I guarantee somebody will show up.
1: Have you tried that experiment?
0: No, but I it, it would for sure. We could try it. Let's try it right now. <laughs> Let's do it live. <laughs> oh God, no. Ah. I
1: can't. I guarantee my license, but out yeah.
0: of 10 people, I'd say at least three will will be able to hook us up. And if you're looking for something a little crazier, like maybe cocaine or ecstasy, uh one in ten, I think for sure we'd be able to hook you up. It's a failed exercise. When I was going through high school, you could smell weed in the hallways. People were in class on acid. People raving was popular back then, so everybody was going to raves at you know uh, doing ecstasy and talking about it in class. I never did any of that stuff because it just it scares me. But out here, everybody, oh my god, we took ecstasy on Saturday night and it was it was crazy. And I feel so weird. Mushrooms. People were doing everything. Everything. We haven't stopped a damn thing except we're putting people in, j- in jail for possession. We're getting people on both sides of the issue, both law enforcement personnel and so-called drug dealers uh, killed over this. Mm-hmm. And we're wasting a ton of money. And it j- it's, it's a failed exercise. It's like, it's like I, I link it to prostitution a lot or gambling. Like these are three things that we don't have in Texas. Um, if you want to prostitute, you're going to prostitute you, you, you like there may not be that, that, crystal clear exchange of like you give me this much money and i'll do this uh but like what's all this sugar baby sugar oh d- yeah sugar this, Daddies what's, and sugar what's babies. all the, what's all this bullshit about i mean yeah. it's the same thing
1: yeah it, it's it's the same thing and really like you just got to be careful about how you phrase it right like but yes it's the same
0: thing yeah you get into phraseology to determine whether your actions are legal or not <laughs> okay. so, it's like, such harsh shit <laughs> It's just, it's just, it's just embarrassing. What do you think about legalizing all drugs, not just marijuana?
1: So I think that's a little more dangerous because of the addictive potential of some of these other drugs. Uh, but you know, I mean, people are going to do it anyway. Uh, I think making the penalties less crazy So right now in Texas, the penalty for any sort of edible is a state jail felony. Any cocaine residue, state jail felony. I mean, we're not talking about like misdemeanor levels, chance for rehabilitation. Let's say somebody, you know, it's not like recreational use. Like somebody is legit addicted to, I mean, these drugs, right? Every time they get caught, it's felony, 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 felony. Like, if there was a way to have an interaction with that person that was more rehabilitative in nature, if they choose to go that way, that would be helpful. But Uh, just, yeah, yeah, right? Because, you know, we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about big boy prison. We're not talking about little county jail at this point. And so, yes, some of these crimes get dismissed and some of these charges get reduced and some of that shit. But every single day, you got a bag, you got a little bag, you got a... A dollar bill that has cocaine residue that might pop positive for cocaine and somebody's going to charge you with a cocaine
0: residue. Seriously.
1: Oh, absolutely. So I've had cases where they've gotten a bag in and it's had like maybe like the most minute little and yeah, felony level offense.
0: Like it's possible that either of us has at some point had a bill, a money bill with cocaine residue. Well I think on it's it, like ninety percent of
1: I think ninety percent of or something like that. I heard this in a in a trial that I was recently watching that have of dollar bills have like residue on it. But no, like I mean there's gotta be a little bit of white powdery like visible residue. So the example is like a little baggie that of course had cocaine in it previously, but most of it is gone, right? Felony. Jesus. Like why but why? Like why? Right. <sighs> So, so to well, me- Well, why, why do you think? Well, I mean, why do I think? Because the argument is deterrence, right? It's it's deterrence and the war on drugs, right? All of that stuff. But I don't know, a misdemeanor, like a class C, a fine only-
0: well, how, how did the whole war on drugs start? Have you, I don't know how much- how, I haven't done like,
1: much research okay, into that. The, the,
0: the inception of it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I don't I don't know what it was initially, what the initial motivation behind it was. But I'd be um that's something something I'd want to look up. Um it's it's I, I think I go back and forth on this on whether we should legalize all drugs or not. I think uh instead of it being the ATF, the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, let's make it the alcohol, tobacco, cocaine, marijuana, heroin. <laughs> ecstasy and firearms or whatever <laughs> you know like just the longest acronym ever um, the, and and re- what they will be doing is is the same thing that they do currently with with those three categories with alcohol, tobacco and firearms. We have age restrictions. we have laws that govern use and and behavior while under the effects of those substances like you can't you know if you if you drive drunk you're gonna you're gonna go to jail. Uh, if you you can't buy you can't buy cigarettes if you're a minor. If you sell cigarettes to a minor, you're fucked. And that's I think good. That's how it should be. Buy
1: minor under twenty one now.
0: Under twenty one now.
1: Yeah. <clears throat>
0: um, and 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 for firearms, there are also laws governing uh, who can buy and how they can buy and and what you can buy. I think the fact that you can buy a rifle or a shotgun at eighteen, but you can't buy a pistol until until you're twenty one, is just completely nonsensical. It's I worked at a gun shop for five years. I could never figure out what the hell the difference was between an eighteen-year-old buying a rifle or a pistol. It's like it just made no sense to me. But we have these laws, so why not have the same thing for marijuana and ecstasy and everything else? Here, you could go to the drugstore, the drugstore, you know, not not Walgreens. Like you could go to the drugstore <laughs> and you oh, can, yeah, the, the you, South
1: you know, Park. You want to? You want to? store episode is coming to my
0: mind. I okay. haven't seen South Park, but oh, it, like gosh. you could go to the drugstore and if you want, if you want to throw a party on on the weekend and. Um, you want to have ecstasy there and alcohol and, and cocaine and you guys are going to do that. And, and you're going to be responsible. You're going to get Ubers and whatever you're going to sleep. I'm just saying, saying, well, we trust them to do it with alcohol. Why can't we trust them to do it with the other stuff? Then it's up to you. That's what I'm saying. And if you want to fuck your life up doing drugs, the government should not stop you from that. It's not their business.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think given the choice, right in general in society. Given the choice between doing something legally and doing something illegally, if it were to be legal, people will make the choice, right? Like, of course, if cocaine was legal, for example, right, you can go get it at the store. A lot of people would make the choice to go to the store. Of course, they could still go to some underground, you know, hookup or quote unquote drug dealer and do that. But a Allowing these things to be legal allows you to regulate it to make it safer and, like you said, get the government out of, like, your adult decision making and not stick a bunch of people in jail and saddling them with felony offenses because nobody thinks about what that means down the road, right? Right. We just want to say, like, oh, my God, don't try cocaine, and you get popped with a felony, and that a lot of times makes you unemployable. Yes. If you have convictions, it makes you unable to do a lot of different things. If you're a felon, right? So, w- I think it's insane. But that's,
0: it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, but I, I I'm not sure if you if you said something that I thought you were going one way and then I think you went the other way. So let's say you used cocaine as an example. If it were legal, that people who want that people who might not try it because it's illegal might be more tempted because it is
1: no i'm saying is if you're gonna let's say the person wants to do it right and they have the option between acquiring it legally and acquiring it illegally Yeah,
0: from some little little shot you know whatever yeah
1: most people are going to choose the legal option
0: for sure uh yeah it's and if you're going to do it anyway then wouldn't it be better to have verified sources where people can get that substance from like safely safely right verified and you can tell somebody like hey this is this is a dose of heroin this is what you're allowed to get and um the shop cannot sell you more than x amount because then it's it's a dangerous amount something like that like it could be regulated just like tramadol is or or hydrocodone or any Mm -hmm. of that like if a doctor prescribes a certain amount of hydrocodone they're they're gonna get investigated right they could do the same thing they can do the same thing where if somebody walks into your shop and buys 20 Glocks. They buy 20 of the same pistol. ATF is going to take a look at that guy mm-hmm. because that's that's not a normal purchase. You know, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I don't know that it's helping. I, I think, like I said, it's a failed exercise. I think people who want to do drugs are going to find ways to do drugs. People who want to um, prostitute are going to find ways to do it. Just like people who want to be virgins until they're married are going to find ways to do it. And people who never are going to have a sip of alcohol or, or anything are going to do that too. Yeah.
1: I I think it's dangerous though, in this conversation for us to lump in my mind, stuff like cannabis (laughs) and shrooms with like heroin and, and shit like that. Like to me, they're, they're different things. I'm tracking you on all of it, but to me, like cannabis and that stuff no brainer.
0: Cannabis okay. shrooms, what else?
1: I mean, cannabis category, <laughs> shrooms category, and then, you know, everything else.
0: What about cocoa leaves? Like not not the snort cocaine. But oh, like, like the, the like the, cocoa tea and that oh. kind of thing. I've heard people talk about like where they take the leaves and they make tea from it I in mean, Colombia. I've
1: never done
0: it, but. I mean See again, you, 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 there's a lot of gray when having Tons. when having discussions about it. the law is really very gray. I think the intention of the Constitution was to make things black and white, and it probably worked for a while. I don't know, but uh, that's why there's there's the Constitution, and then that's why there's state law, where every state says, "Well, I don't know about this, that we're going to go that route." Mm-hmm. And so, um, recently, Texas constitutional carry. Your last lawyer talk Thursday, I saw it. What do you think about that? Oh, there's, so, there's some emotions.
1: Oh, so I hate guns. I oh you do I hate guns. I think
0: Okay, I did not work at a gun shop. Yeah, <laughs> <It's
1: okay. laughs> but you know, if that's like I'm I'm not a fan of the guns, but like I understand that, that that's our reality Why do you hate of this. I just think the potential they're highly dangerous and the potential for misuse is is almost guaranteed the the more that we open up. And and I get the argument, it's not guns that kill people, people kill people, and that, you know, if we outlaw guns, then they're going to get knives. And if you really want to kill somebody, you're going to run them over with your car. Like, anything can be a weapon. I've seen the DA's office charge a pillow as a weapon, of course, or, like, fists as a weapon at, in an aggravated assault. Like, anything can be a weapon. If you really want to hurt somebody, you're going to hurt somebody. Okay. Uh, I just – I've never really used guns. I don't like them. I don't like hunting. I don't – I just – they're not for me. They're not for me. So big, like, they're they're unnecessary, I guess, is my biggest thing. And I get the argument. Self-defense. I get it. But even in an apocalypse, I'm going to be hanging out with the people with guns, but I'm not going to be carrying one.
0: Boy, I I think I was with you until that last part because you just negated everything you said in the first part. Well, You said I mean, when there's an, an apocalypse, you're going to hang out with the people with guns. But right before that, you said guns are not necessary.
1: I, well, I mean, we're not in the middle of an apocalypse, so they're not necessary. We
0: might be, though. Yeah. And and if we wait until if people have already invaded our country, it'd be a little bit too late to arm people, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, guns aren't going away. That's the reality, right? And, and I think I see... The trend at gun laws being more permissive, especially in Texas. I mean, we're in Texas, right? Where, but for me, I don't like them. I don't want to carry one. It's not, I'm I'm not trained so, enough to carry one. The fact that if this, if the governor signs constitutional carry, right? Um, and I haven't been updated in the news the last couple of days, but as of Thursday, he had not. Um, it hasn't been out of conference committee yet. But he said he will if it reaches he his desk. Will, right? Yeah, if he reaches his desk. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to end up being signed. <clears throat> the fact that if I wanted to go get a gun and c- openly carry it in public, having no training, having, you know, all these other issues and things going on, it, that I could do that and then be expected to use it in a. Safe way, right? Not get it taken away from me and used against me. And I have zero experience with a gun. Like that to me is scary. But of course, that's why self policing, I'm not going to go get a firearm. Right. So I, I can see the arguments. Guns are not for me, for sure.
0: <clears throat> so you would rather the constitutional carry not pass? Would you rather that citizens not be armed?
1: I don't think that that's a reality and I'm but not what, willing I, to come you, down on would, one way or the other. Well, I don't think What that's would you a prefer?
0: Would you prefer to live in a society where citizens don't have guns or would you prefer to live in a society where citizens do have guns?
1: Well, how are my police, do all my police have guns?
0: <clears throat> yes. What do you think about the the reality that a lot of people I think don't acknowledge, which is that. Police oftentimes are not there to stop the criminal. They're there to catch the criminal after he's committed the crime.
1: Okay. If
0: somebody assaults you, then the police go out and get him. If somebody co- if somebody's at your door, the odds and you call the police, the odds of you ordering pizza and having it delivered to your house before the police get there are actually greater.
1: <laughs> I didn't know that statistic. Well, they shouldn't be out on calls picking up they people should. with
0: edibles. <laughs> Let's talk
1: about that.
0: <laughs> uh, I need to get the chief of police in here. I've actually, I've, I've been trying. I've, I've, uh, I know some people who uh, are trying to put me in touch. I agreed. Now, what do you think about the language in the Second Amendment? Uh, it starts with a well-regulated militia necessary to the security of a free state comma the right of the people to bear to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed mm-hmm. now you went through law school you're a lawyer you studied constitutional law mm-hmm. did like what after after you went over the bill of rights what were your thoughts on so you know on, long... on the intention <laughs> well just the intention of of that that part that second the second amendment what uh what do you think it was intended for for people to be armed or for a well regulated militia to be armed
1: well um i i think probably both um to be honest but it's it's different times i mean we're talking about the creation of of our our country our society as as we know it um there was a necessity i guess it goes back to my belief about necessity at this point i don't think it's necessary for
0: the the security of a free state
1: correct right back then Probably, I can see why they would think it was necessary. But well, because they didn't have an army. Right, exactly. You only, you had
0: a The militia was the
1: army. Right. So, so the people, right, the militia yes. where the army was necessary, right, now that we have those levels of, I mean, security and law enforcement. I mean, we have, I don't even know how many levels of law enforcement, but it's why I will tout El Paso as the safest city in America because we've got the Border Patrol and we've got our local law enforcement and we've got Fort Bliss and we've got all of this stuff, right? Uh, so… Again, it just goes back to, I don't think they're necessary. The people that would disagree with me will say, well, look at all these shootings. Look at all these places, you know, where bad people have guns and are using them against other people. And it's the good people, right? They'll use the example, we call the police. They're not going to get there in time and somebody's shot, you know, however many people. Yeah, I mean, I I get those arguments. But I will say this, guns are not for me, but the reality right. of the situation is in Texas, gun laws are going to continue to be, um, I guess less strict, right? Uh, and and we'll see how that we'll see how that plays out. We'll see how that plays out.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I don't know how it'll play out. I, I do believe, however, that it will go unnoticed um and and my my reasoning behind that is i don't remember how many years ago uh texas allowed for open carry uh for license holders mm-hmm. so the the license used to say concealed hang a license i
1: believe it was 2019 but
0: fairly recently not yeah. too long ago uh it went from concealed hang a license to license LTC. to carry mm-hmm. and Everybody thought that you're going to start going to, to to the store and you're going to see a bunch of people with guns. And the reality is, we almost never see somebody open carry. Like people who carry don't want to open carry; they don't want to draw that kind of attention. Right, they don't themselves.
1: want to be targets. Yeah.
0: Now, the same way that that's that that you know the the open carry passed and people did not open carry, I I don't think that people who don't want to carry are going to carry. Uh, from from my experience at the gun store, uh, I've sold. You know, you're going to think I'm the devil, probably. <laughs>
1: You make these assumptions. That aren't hundreds, real.
0: probably thousands of guns, right, in my time over there. And um, there was, and I'd say the majority of people came in and said, I want something to keep in my house. Uh, I live by myself. I have children, whatever it is, I want something to keep in my house. Because they'd ask me, like, well, what kind of gun do you recommend? And my first question is, is this going to be for home defense or is it something you're going to carry? Because that's what determines what you get, you know, like if you like there's no sense in getting a compact if you're gonna if you're not gonna conceal carry, right? Um uh, and it just seemed like a lot of people just wanted something to have at, at home. It just made them feel better. Sometime last year my security alarm went off at like four in the morning and uh something had had tripped the, the uh motion sensor it was a false positive but nevertheless I called the police I said you know my alarm is off come over um and then I grabbed my gun and I went and cleared my house and then I called the police back and I said, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's a false alarm. And I don't know. I, I, I never timed how long that whole thing took, but if there was somebody at my door, it would have been too long.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So that, that's kind of, that's, that's my, my point on this. I think, <clears throat> I think it's like, um, it's like anything. Yes. There's chance for, for, for misuse. Um, I, I would prefer that people did have some kind of training before even buying a firearm to That's begin my with, my biggest thing. because there are the statistics on, on accidental discharges resulting in death or injury to a family member are clear. It happens all the time mm-hmm. and it's devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I wish people would like, gosh, you know, it, this, this, this used to kill me. Actually, I, somebody would say, Hey, you know, can I look at that gun? And I'd hand it to them. And as soon as they grab it, I'm it like, this person it has it. never mm-hmm. grabbed a gun in their life. Just, I can tell by their grip, like they've never done this. And so I will try to talk to them like, Hey, here's, here's a guy that I recommend that you can take classes with. If you, you know, if you like, you, you just bought a gun, like you might want to learn how to use it. I tell people it's no different than if you went and bought a pair of boxing gloves and all of a sudden you think you can fight. Oh. It's like, it's, they're not, the boxing gloves aren't going Are to make fighter. you a yeah. fighter. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's the same thing with guns. So I do, th- I do wish that there would be some kind of uh training. I think, that that would be a good thing i don't see it as infringement on rights the right wingers always like it's funny i had people i put up a tiktok one time i was talking about this on the podcast and i had people calling me a left-wing gun control advocate and
1: who knows uh, what they're gonna call me now like
0: screw you (laughs) go back to countries that don't have guns and i'm like like you guys have no clue who you're talking to um but anyway i i that's i think yeah i think it would be good for people to have training and i don't think that's infringement Agree, And I just people would be able to have, I wish people would be able to have level headed, level headed discussions about major issues um like one thing that i think is silly is that i can get a license to carry in texas but then if i travel out of state i have to go online and check if i can carry in that fucking in that state, state too it's yeah, like if
1: it's jesus christ mm-hmm. if i'm
0: taking a road trip driving to the east coast i have to like figure out my route you know <laughs> <laughs> well I've i mean, gotta... <laughs> it's different
1: it's different when it's in your car in most times yeah you still can't go through in, it on your person out in public but yeah Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now talking about the amendments, I, uh, I think I commented on one of your Instagram posts like is about cannabis is, is drug testing a violation of the fourth amendment. What do you think about that? I see it as like, what probable cause do you have to, to test the contents of my body? Like Jesus Christ, talk about a violation of somebody's right to be secure in their own person.
1: Okay. Well, what do you think? We got to we got to unpack that, right? Okay, please. Because do. the Constitution really only applies to government entities. So, as, as a private employer, a private person, or whatever, you you can make your own rules. Hierarchy, though.
0: I mean, they're doing it because the government tells them they they have to, or they can get in trouble. Uh,
1: well, who are you talking about? Employers. Specifically?
0: Like if like employers aren't going to spend the money to drug test you if it was if it, if you if they wouldn't get in trouble for an employee um, using an illegal substance. It could draw a lot of uh, bad attention, so that's why they do it.
1: I mean, maybe, or maybe they just fundamentally think that people that are high or drunk or whatever aren't going to do a good job, right? Could be. So, so it's different, right? The, the government can't just come in. Usually, right, it's, it's you're making yourself susceptible to that, right? If you want to get a Border Patrol job... One of the requirements is we're going to drug test you. We're actually going to put you in a lie detector test too, right? You're taking a polygraph for that too, right? Because you want to be in that position. You get put on probation because you screwed up, right? Pled guilty to an offense. Part of those conditions, part of the agreement, is you're not going to do drugs, and we reserve the right to drug test you, right? So, so that's fine. And then constitutionally doesn't apply to private entities or people so private people can determine what they want to do. If they want to not have drug tests, that's cool. If they want to have drug tests, that's totally fine. I don't I think the way that it is set up is fine. I don't think a drug test is necessarily an infringement on on someone's rights, but also what you do with that drug test, right? The next argument is, okay. do you fundamentally exclude everyone that pops dirty for, for weed, for example, right? Or if they're popping dirty for some other type of substance, right? Like, what do you do with that information once you get it, Okay? Right? So, so that, that's the difference. But no, I don't believe that, that that's an illegal search. One, because private employers are private employers. And two, most of the time the government is doing it. It's because someone has negotiated that exchange one way or the other.
0: I, I, I understand that, you know, the separation between uh, employers and government, I just feel like the reason these employers do it is because it's illegal. I mean, why, like, why aren't they testing for um, alcohol? If you show up, well, I mean, partly because you can't, but if you show up drunk at work, then there are, there are, um, disciplinary actions, Mm -hmm. uh, to address that. And so, but the thing about marijuana, for instance, is that they're doing it proactively, not reactively. They're saying in order for you to work at this company, this is what you have to do. And I don't have any proof of this. I just feel like that's, that's federally driven. You know, it's it's, Mm -hmm. it's legally driven. Why, why else would an employer go through, uh, the expense of, uh, administering those drug tests, paying for those drug tests and also risk having, uh, a valuable employee get fired.
1: Well, I mean, they don't necessarily have to fire someone who pops dirty for sorry, weed. Sorry, just try to keep this thing in front. Oh, of you. sorry. Um who who pops dirty, they don't have to fire them. But I I think you're right in the sense that because it's illegal, right? That stigma is like, oh my god, if this person has, you know, pops dirty for weed, they're they're worthless, they're terrible, they're doing illegal things even on their off time, right? Because that stuff stays in your system for many, many days. So that person could have smoked three weeks ago and still pop dirty for it. Uh, So sure, if cannabis was legal, I think that maybe fewer people would drug test and fewer people would fire or discipline someone who did pop dirty uh, for that. But I still think that there's going to be a good number of private employers that say, listen, you have a dirty drug test you're done anyway, regardless of whether or not it's legal. Yeah. But, but I do, I do agree that some of that is driven by, by the loss. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a weird one. I, I, yeah, I don't know what to think of it. It's a weird one. I think it's, it's pretty bullshit that somebody has to, um, has to, has to avoid say, you know, taking an edible or smoking some weed on the weekend mm-hmm. uh, or even when they're on vacation out of fear that they might get drug tested and lose their job. I just, I think that's it, it, like, it, it's, it's no different than everything we've been talking about governing uh, drug laws. Like if you're not actually being a harm to anyone, right. You're doing it at your own time in your own space and you're showing up to work on Monday and you're clear headed and you're ready to do your job and you do an awesome job. That should be the end of it.
1: Right. It's nobody's business. It's nobody's business. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what do you think about, uh, the, with military right you get caught with weed you're done you're out yeah i don't i don't time. see why it
0: would be any different i think it probably i think we should probably encourage it for, for soldiers <laughs> i think it's like oh really you just you know you just got in a fight with somebody in, in in some country and beat his brains out with a rock and now you're you can't sleep at night all right why don't you get high <laughs> <laughs>
1: what we do to our soldiers <laughs> let me tell you let me tell you tell is, me Rough. I, what do we do to ourselves i can't actively tell you right now but uh but possibly once uh once my partner's out of the military we may be able to discuss okay, it okay yeah fair yeah. enough
0: yeah i mean there's a lot of uh a lot of argument about uh, marijuana use for ptsd mm-hmm. for soldiers police officers firefighters uh, across the board and um i think if it helps them then it's stupid that we're not doing it because mm-hmm. we're not doing anything else that's helping them when it comes to
1: definitely not just prescribing more damn drugs yeah that have side effects that then you have to prescribe more drugs uh-huh. to fix. Uh-huh.
0: yeah i actually have a friend who refuses to touch marijuana doesn't drink uh and and he was he was in the army for years and um he takes something to help him sleep i don't know what it is but he takes something to help him sleep and it makes him so loony he just he like I like one time I was like he, he didn't fall asleep right away we we're still hanging out and it's just like I'm like dude like you're you're acting way crazier than anybody who's I've ever seen get high like you're you're acting totally out of control um and it's amazing that that's okay like it's just yeah it's annoying but whatever I'll'll get off that
1: <laughs> yeah oh, I mean, wait, I'll, wait, get, <laughs> I'll get off
0: that soapbox <laughs>
1: so what's the next soapbox I
0: don't I have no idea I have no idea tell me about your businesses. How many businesses do you run?
1: Four now. Four. Four. Does yes. that,
0: do you count your social media as a business? No, I do not. Okay. So four.
1: Four actual businesses. Yeah. What are they? So I've got my law firm, which includes the Clear My Record 915, which is all about clearing people's records, expunctions, non disclosures, making them, I, I wouldn't say more eligible for a job, but. Where the stigma goes away because one time they were arrested for some BS offense, right? I can wipe that stuff off. So that's like the law firm side, do appeals, do juvenile, all that criminal law stuff. Uh, then I have my traffic ticket practice, uh, Traffic Tickets Texas. We expanded to San Antonio and then the Permian. So hopefully we will expand all through Texas and that includes my app. So that's two. third is I run a dog bakery actually. <laughs> yes.
0: That's yes. awesome. Yes. Okay. And
1: And then um, a a doggy daycare. And then I guess the fifth one is going to be, I just hired somebody to help me do this. Uh, I want to set up an entrepreneurship foundation uh, that that does an academy for young women. So like junior, senior high school and then early college. To do what? So the program is going to be eight weeks. It's three weeks of intensive classes that teach everything from like negotiation to public speaking to like how to dress to what is entrepreneurship and how is it an option for you kind of thing? And then one week of shadowing leaders in the community, like go follow them around, you know, and have that experience. And then four weeks of an actual internship where they go in and they work. And the goal, of course, is to teach. I want to target young women. I mean, maybe open it up to LGBTQ plus, whatever. We'll figure it out. Right. But to, to show those young people that they, they have options and that what I've identified in, in El Paso and it probably happens everywhere, but I've spent most of of my professional life in El Paso is that it's so competitive and so adversarial that in especially women, instead of like reaching our hand out and like lifting up other women, it's just constant competition and putting each other down. And so to connect those female leaders to younger generation to serve as mentors is really important to me. Uh and then eventually I want to have an I'm part of an incubator here in El Paso and I want to kind of have my own incubator to funnel some of those girls into, whether it's a side gig or whether it's like a single mom thing or you know you're in a relationship and you feel like you're stuck. I want to help people get unstuck. And so that's kind of the goal of all of that.
0: That's pretty cool. I like the idea. Yeah. Um Tell me about the dog bakery.
1: Ah, the dog bakery is my fun. My <laughs> fun game. Cuz I
0: love bakeries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So so the dog bakery I started um baking treats as like a stress reliever a few years ago um, for my dogs. Cuz my dogs are my kids. I don't have kids. I don't want kids. No desire to. So my dogs are my kids. And so then I started doing that and then went to farmers markets and then was like, you know, this is it's a huge industry. It's one of the only, well, not one of the only, but one of the industries that boomed during the pandemic because everybody's at home, everybody's spending money on their animals, and it's, it's billions and billions of dollars. So uh, monetized it and yeah we're looking for locations now it's still home-based oh, okay yeah i have one employee. Oh, so you are, oh, okay
0: i was gonna yeah, ask if you're have, doing all the baking oh
1: heck no i don't okay. have time for that but okay. back in the day i did yeah. uh but i have one employee and she makes these amazing cakes and treats and things like that and we sell them on instagram and
0: mm-hmm. so. gluten-free and vegan options yep. too yep yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> for sure
0: That's pretty cool. Are are there dog bakeries? I don't know if I've ever heard of one. Are there others in town that you know of?
1: In town, no. I know some people who also do it out of their house and then do some farmer's markets Uh with the dog treats. No, the first, the the inception of the idea was when I lived in Plano, there was actually a dog bakery like across the street from where I lived. And I was like, someday I'm going to own one of these. mm, Yeah. But that was usually, that was like in 2011. So it's been about 10 years.
0: Yeah. Well, you're getting around to it. Stuff, yeah. stuff takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, the only dog treats I've ever seen are uh, at Einstein Bros and Bagels.
1: Oh, yeah. They have
0: the little thing next to the cash register with the dog. Uh, they're dog bagels or dog pretzels oh, that's or something. Cool. I haven't seen them, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah gluten. I, I, I love to go there. Well, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm not going to have any now because I'm trying to drop this weight, but uh, I love a hot sesame bagel with that honey almond schmear. Don't make, <sighs> Don't make me jealous.
1: Don't so make me good. jealous. Don't make so me jealous. Don't make me jealous. So good.
0: And so why why so many businesses?
1: Uh so I just love ideas. I love being creative and I I think that I can do it all and it's fun. Like startups are fun because you can prove to yourself that you can do it, that you can monetize this idea. And there's so many challenges and I love challenges. So, so for me, they're exciting. They're new. I think, you know, if you focus on one thing, you would grow faster. Absolutely. But I think that would be a slow death for me Mm. is just to focus on one thing all the time. And yeah, it would probably be better and I would be more focused and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But that's, that's not who I am. Right. I I like having a bunch of different projects. So, and then different things that I love, you know, I love, I love helping people. I love fighting the man. I love my dogs. Like those things are all really important to me.
0: Right on. Um, does it ever, you ever feel like, you know, like, geez, I'm not sleeping enough or I don't have enough time for my hobbies or is, is, are your businesses, your hobbies? Oh, my businesses
1: are my hobbies. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But certainly the, I'm not sleeping enough, but uh, there are some tactics to to help with that as far as sleeping more and doing more. But yeah, my businesses are my hobbies. Like what I find fun. I don't like reading fiction. I like reading professional development books. Like I'm one, I'm just one of those people. Yeah. Uh, after this, I'm probably going to go like curl up on the couch and read Guy Raz's. Um, gosh, what is it called? Now I forget. And I, I just started it, but because that's just who I am. And, and I've got to accept that. And every time somebody makes a suggestion of like, you do too much or you need to focus on this or you need to read I'm this, this and this. Yeah. Like, first of all, fuck off. Yeah. Second of all, <laughs> that's not what fills my cup and with what makes me excited. Uh-huh. And hobbies should be fun and exciting.
0: Sure, sure. And and different people have different tolerances. Mm-hmm. Some people can work a 60-hour week like it's nothing and still go to the gym every day and still have time to you know, unwind and do whatever the hell they want to do. And some people if they work a 30-hour week they're exhausted. And there's also a level of of efficiency in work. It's not just the hours that you put in but how efficient you are with that with those hours that also factors in like some people can get so much done because they're so freaking efficient it's unbelievable mm-hmm. i have days where i'm like wow i got a lot done and i have days where i'm like geez you know it's like 8 p.m and i haven't even scratched the surface of what i need to do and so efficiency also factors in and it's it's just different for everybody i hate it too when people tell me like oh you're doing too much or oh you need a vacation oh why don't you just take a couple days off i'm like Fuck, mind your own business. (laughs) Like, you can, good luck with your job all the way until you're 65. Have fun with that. I'm Mm -hmm. not going that route. But you didn't, you don't practice very much as an attorney anymore, do you?
1: I don't. I don't. Uh, I really found it super draining. I think our profession is just so draining. Uh, and and a lot of people message me and say like, hey, can you talk to my daughter about being a lawyer? And I kind of want to <laughs> be like, don't do it. Um, but there are lawyers who are made to be advocates. and And something that I've come to the realization recently is that I'm more of an educator. And that's like my role. That's what I love doing, right? So doing the lawyer talks, doing talks, um, you know, creating classes, doing that type of edu- using my degree to be an educator is is more my personality than than the hardened advocate. Uh, so I don't really practice a ton of criminal anymore. I've stopped taking clients other than appeals. I still take my appellate clients. I just got a conviction, a conviction reversed. Nice. Um, on appeal, so I still take some appellate because it's just such a fun intellectual activity and a challenge. But I would say, given the option to do it again, I would not have become a lawyer. Oh, really? Absolutely not.
0: Any thoughts on what you would have done?
1: Been an entrepreneur of started some type, right?
0: Probably could have still started a law firm and just not <laughs> no, not been but... an attorney. Like,
1: like you <laughs> no. don't like. I, I know
0: people who aren't doctors who own medical offices and they hire doctors they they like the business side of it
1: yeah it, it, for me i think that's so so whatever degree i have or whatever i'm doing right I, i'm using it as a catalyst to to be in the entrepreneur scene and so that's yes. that's who i am so whether it be a law degree or a finance degree or a kinesiology degree or a i don't know art degree that's the one i
0: picked
1: well i'm a kines major too Not so really? hey <laughs> uh but i unless you really want to be a lawyer and you know and that's why experiential learning is so important when you're when you're thinking about school like college and law school or professional school like go work in a damn office like go see what it's really like go shadow a judge go do because it's not like this this glorified like beautiful experience for most people like we see on TV absolutely not absolutely not so
0: Um, well, but wouldn't you say that if, if you were going to advise somebody on a career path, mm -hmm. it's a good career path to embark on.
1: I mean, it depends as far as,
0: as far as job security, financial security, obviously you have to be good or you're just going to get your ass kicked. Nobody's going to hire you, but that's the same for any job.
1: Yeah. But what, whoa, hold on a second though, though the number or the amount of folks that are going to get school paid for right? one is, is low get a full ride to whatever university, get a full ride to law school. You know how much student loan debt I had? 223000 That's
0: quite a lot. You're gonna need to sell a lot of dog cakes, right? Right. To to, to pay that off. To
1: pay that off. You know. (laughs) So it's it's about educating yourself on the choices.
0: But is the return on on investment worth it? Like people go through, uh, people rack up hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt to become doctors too. But they know that in X amount of years, I'm gonna pay it off. I'm gonna be out of debt, and then I have a good life with a steady career.
1: Assuming you like what you do, and that's the issue. Uh huh right? Being in a career, being stuck in a career that you don't particularly care for because you hedged and you took this risk of taking on all this debt to get this degree and then you get into it and you're like, holy shit, like this is miserable or I don't like it or I'd rather be doing something else. Like making that transition to something else, like you're making the assumption that this person took the risk, got into it liked what they did enough to stick with it. And at the end of paying off all that debt, then they're going to have this great life.
0: As a criminal attorney though, you could pay that pay off that debt with a few cases. Sometimes.
1: In El Paso? No. No.
0: no, no, no you don't no, get no. some, some big drug, no, drug cases no. here. Somebody throwing a hundred thousand in cash. Yeah, at I don't you. think
1: so. I don't <laughs> think so. Uh And then, you know, but, but you didn't start
0: out when you started practicing as an attorney, you were already in El Paso.
1: So when I started practicing as an attorney, I was in El Paso. Um, I took a job at the Public Defender's Office. Okay. So that's how I got to El Paso. Took a job at the PDU's office, and then you know, it, there are parts of it that I love, right? But like you're I'm saying that you still do- suited for the entrepreneurial part of it. Like that's what and and Me- imagine. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where, like, you're doing something and you know you really, really, really want to do something else and it just eats at you and eats at you uh-huh. and eats at you, but you're stuck in that thing every for day financially. Right. Right. That's no, I'm how in it that situation is. Every yeah. Day. So, so that's, <laughs> that's how it is. Right. Like, so the lawyer is, is only part of my story.
0: That's, that's what, that's what you thought would, would help you start um, what would lay the foundation on which you can build your entrepreneurial ambition?
1: No, I thought that I was going to be a lawyer forever. And that's what everyone told me I should be. And that's another trap that people fall into. Love to argue, love to debate. Thought I was pretty persuasive, was pretty intelligent. Did, I did competitive speech in college. So I, I was a huge nerd all through college, traveled Mm -hmm. around the U S doing that. Uh, but Everybody told me, and then every test that I ever took, like you know, your proficiency tests or like all that stuff, lawyer, 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 right?
0: Mm.
1: And so you You just get into it, yeah. You feel like, and and people experience that. Luckily, my parents were not like that. They didn't tell me like what I needed to be or what I needed to do, right? But some people fall in that trap. So, so I think you know there are a lot of considerations other than just money and it's a good career
0: i don't know if most people think that way though i think most people want to know that they have security and uh they 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 want to see the the last step of the race you know what i mean like they, they want they want to have a clear picture of where they're going to be when they're 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and here's how much i'm going to make in this job and here's how many years it'll take me to pay off my debt. And here's how many years it'll take me to pay off my house. And here's how much I'll have in retirement. And they, they want to map that whole thing up. Freedom. You
1: really think so? Like- Mo-
0: the majority of people, yes. People who are doing what you do, that's, that's a minority. People who want to start up a business just because they like the idea of it. <clears throat> there's a lot of risk in that. Mm-hmm. And risk scares people. Sure. So most people, they say that they want freedom, but they really don't. They want to defer to authority because it gives them guarantees. It's like the difference between the lion at the zoo and the lion in the wild. The lion in the wild has to hunt and he doesn't know where his next meal is going to come from. That's freedom. The lion in the zoo knows exactly when he's going to eat. He doesn't have to worry about hyenas jumping him. He doesn't have to worry about any of that.
1: But that's the worst <clears> most <throat> egregious like example of just that captivity and the thing that It is captivity. You don't that's what been, be. you've been
0: talking about captivity. Right. I
1: mean, yeah, being I guess being That's what being in, in a job
0: in- for 40 years is. It's captivity.
1: Yeah. Some people do like that, but
0: That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah.
0: I, but I think those people are a majority. I don't I don't think I think people who think like you and I, I think we're the exception
1: think like Maybe us, that's my or ego. we'll take the next step because i think a lot of people think like us or don't want to be in a job or have a side gig or want a side gig or want to do something to more for their families i think plenty of people think that but then going but from thinking to action is because they're is scared different right and you're right about that you're right about that but i don't think you're right in that most people don't think that way i think most people do want Whoa. more
0: uh, wishful thinking it's not based in anything um, real. It's it's just like...
1: What do you mean by that? Though?
0: It's just wishful thinking. Oh, I want to be a millionaire. And, you know, they work 30 hours a week and all of a sudden, they you know, they need to get hammered because they're so stressed and they need, they need a vacation. They need a vacation every three weeks. It's like, well, you're not going to be a millionaire if you need a vacation every three weeks. Right? Like, I know I'm never going to be a billionaire. Millionaire got for sure. You know? I think probably... <clears throat> I think eight figure net worth for sure. I'll reach that in my life for sure. Um, If things go my way before I turn 40, but I'm never going to be a billionaire. I'm not willing to put in the hours to be a billionaire. I'm very real with myself. And I think that I look at what it takes to become a billionaire and I go, fuck that. I, I want time to go to jujitsu. I want time to, um, don't roll your eyes at me, go to the shooting range. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. kidding. I want time to um, work out every day. I I want time to do all the things that I want to do. And I look at guys like Elon Musk or Dwayne Johnson or Kevin Hart, these just extremely work obsessed personalities. And I don't want that. So I'm never going to have the kind of money that they have. And, and I'm real with myself in what I'm willing to do and what that's going to get me. Mm-hmm. I, and I just think people have a lot of wishful thinking. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, my friend's an entrepreneur. Oh, Alexandria runs her own businesses. And, you know, she was in, in Honolulu last week. Oh, it must be nice. It's like, well, go do it. No, no, I, I can't. I don't want to leave my job. What if I open a business and it fails?
1: Okay, agree. A lot of it's fear-based, but I don't think that you... I have trouble with the label of wishful thinking because a lot of people have really Dreamy? modest, like wow. modest goals that they just need some help and opportunity to like start. I I don't know.
0: I, I think you have a more positive dream, outlook on human potential. Yeah, than I, the, do. I do. <laughs> I
1: do because there's so many people there that, that are in their jobs that know that they are capable of something more, whatever that, whatever, if it's modest, if it's, if it's being a millionaire or if it's like starting their own like makeup line as a side gig, like, I think those are both awesome things. And so those, they should have the opportunity to do that. And they just don't know
0: how but they do. Well, figure it out.
1: Yeah. But I didn't know anything need- about
0: podcasting before I started a podcast. I spent two and a half months researching and then. I have a podcast
1: mm-hmm. and you had the means figure, to buy all the equipment sure. and, and how the did time I... to do it sure. and all that stuff because I prioritized it sure sure but people I think don't have the opportunity or access to resources in which to make those dreams a reality yes some of it is sheer grit absolutely absolutely and some of us are capable of more than that than others agree yes but I think we do. We should do a better job in lending that hand to people's ideas and, and helping coach them to the next level, even if the level is not being a millionaire, even if the level is just doing something a little better than they're doing now.
0: I don't know if it would change anything. I think you're born with a certain level of um, a certain ability to handle stress and to deal with risk and and to live without knowing to live in uncertainty mm-hmm. that's something that the majority of people have a very difficult time with which is why religion is so popular because it gives you all the answers uncertainty is a very scary thing for people.
1: Sure.
0: You don't know what's going to happen when you die. So you go pray to Jesus that way. Oh, well, I know what's going to happen. You know how many religious people I've talked to? They don't give a damn about Jesus. They, they're interested in their afterlife. It's about, oh, I, I know what, uh, like, they'll tell me, I know where I'm going to be when I die. Oh, you know, one, a, a loved one, a parent or whatever, somebody that they love died. I know where they are. They'll tell me, I know where they are. They're with Jesus right now, right? It gives them the answer to the unknown. Jobs give you the answer to the unknown. Me as a salesman, like there are certain jobs that by their very nature, uh, they lend themselves to that category of entrepreneurship. No, I don't own the company that I work for, but I own my territory. Mm-hmm. And, I, and one month I could do awesome and have a ridiculous bonus check. And the other month I could bomb and just make a fraction of that. And that's that's I've talked to people about this and they go, dude, I couldn't do your job. I couldn't not know how much I'm gonna make next month. I think that's the majority of people and, and, and there are certain things that despite seemingly endless efforts to change certain behaviors in the human population, they've just failed at that exercise. One thing that, um, feminists like to argue a lot about is if women were encouraged as much as men to run companies, there'd be more female CEOs the evidence does not, the the evidence suggests otherwise, it just doesn't seem that way.
1: What do you mean? And what evidence?
0: So when you look at the amount of women who would be CEOs if given the chance, uh, it's just a small, if, if, if if, uh, not, if given the chance, but who are encouraged to do so, how many actually will act on that? It's a small percentage. And, and, and so when you look at, so I'll give you some statistics, CEOs or, or any, any, you know, uh, these careers that, that, um, when you get into the gender pay gap debate, people like to bring up. So 90%, I hope I remember my, my numbers, my numbers correctly. Um, it's something like 90% of doctors are male, whereas Something like 80% of nurses are female. I, I might have my numbers a little bit wrong, but, but it's, it's that, that's, that's the idea. And well, if you're a woman in America, you can become a nurse or you can become a doctor. So the question is, why are the majority of women choosing to become nurses and make less money when they can go become surgeons and, and make a bunch of money? They have the same ability to do that, but for some reason, they're choosing not to. People who work jobs for 40 years and retire with their 401k or whatever it is that they've put together, um, they have the ability to start businesses. They can start a, do- a doggy daycare. They can start, a re- they can open a restaurant. They can do whatever they want. They choose not to. Why is that?
1: Because, so I mean, I need to challenge that on all levels. Go for, for it. <laughs> first of all, uh, statistics uh, aside, I mean, there's there's still institutionalized sexism. And whether or not that's opportunities or hiring or the stigma that a woman has to still take care of the kids in the household or forego having a family and all of those responsibilities in order to do X. I mean, those are things that are still ingrained within our society. So the concept that women have the same access and opportunities to all of these things is still BS. So A,
0: one, um, can, I, can I can I cut in? Sure. Uh, that's that that has actually been disproven by the data from Scandinavian countries. Okay,
1: so talk and to so, me and about so, what And so,
0: and so, in in the societies that have gone further than any other in the world to eliminate gender differences, mm-hmm. you have the biggest gender differences in the workplace. You have the uh, something like, um, about twenty to one female-to-male nurses and about 20-to-1 male-to-female engineers. So the same way, my point my point with all this is the same way that men choose certain career paths and women choose certain career paths, biology plays a factor in the overall picture of what every individual chooses to do with their life career-wise.
1: I think so. I think attributes as well, right? Um, for sure, attributes as well. Uh, but I just... I guess what irritates me about those arguments is this, is that the opportunity should be given. It's given. The access, I disagree.
0: You don't think think that, let's look at, you want want to start a business empowering women in El Paso. You don't think that women in El Paso can go to medical school the same way men can?
1: I think that based on society's principles and the reality of the situation right there there are so much more many more expectations of women and fewer role models and less access and a lot of things that that affect women differently than men that may keep them for example not discounting the single fathers of the world right but if you're a teenage mom It's your responsibility in a lot of cases to take care of that kiddo. And that's going to take a lot of time and energy and resources that you're not going to have as many opportunities unless you have a super, super supportive family and all that stuff and maybe some access to some resources as far as money goes to take that next step on the same timeline as this guy does. Okay. Can't, Can't the
0: same be said for single fathers though?
1: Uh, I said that yeah right? I know
0: you said it but why like
1: because you're, you're, you're
0: talking about you're talking about being a single parent and the strain that that has to do on your ability to pursue a high-end career and that's that's factual that's like nobody can debate that
1: absolutely and and who single parents statistically and I don't know the statistic right so I'm making an assumption but the kiddos most of the time are staying with mom most of the time, whether that be 51% of the time or 57% of the time or 80% of the time. Moms are responsible. So there are more single mothers than there are single fathers.
0: I don't know the stats on that, but I believe you. That's that's fine.
1: Right, so that's just one example of of one of those things, right, is that a lot of times best interest of the child means staying with mom for whatever reason, okay? For whatever reason, that's what judges decide. I'm 80, not saying
0: 80%, 80% it is. 80% of men in prison come from single mother households.
1: Okay, unpack that. What's your point there?
0: They're not doing a very good job.
1: Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. I'm messing
0: with you. That's actually something that Ken said. He just he put it recently on Facebook. Oh, my
1: God. I I- <laughs> oh, my God. Because we treat our single moms like crap and they're Oh. Who's we?
0: What do you mean? Who's we? I mean, I'm who treats, about who treats single about
1: society, crap? right? I mean, the, the expectation is she's got to keep it all together. She's got to take care of these kids. She's got to work. She's got to do this. Well, why the hell haven't you graduated from high school or gone to college or did whatever? Because there are so many responsibilities on her. So this may just be a place where we do, but I don't think that women get equal access to resources and opportunities because of institutional systemic gender differences and the way that society looks at gender.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, we, we will disagree on that, but, and, and we're lumping gender differences in with, well, I'm lumping gender differences in with uh, the argument of like, do most people want to pursue freedom and take the risk that comes with that? Or do they want a stable job? Like, like last year, those people that pursued freedom and and, and took risks and started their own businesses, a lot of them got fucked. A lot of them lost their businesses. And that's a risk of entrepreneurship. That's a risk of being able to live your life on your own terms and open whenever you want and close whenever you want and take vacation whenever you want. That's what comes with it. And uh, whereas, like, sure, yeah, people who have jobs also lost their jobs last year. I know. But um. <clears throat> The, the the if i i feel that if the majority i feel the majority of people have given the choice do you want to start your own business or here's a job where you can make this much money and these are your benefits and this is your 401k and this they're like yep i'll do it i mean that's why you see people in miserable jobs that they hate and oh i got another eight years and then i'll, I'll retire i see it all the time i see it with teachers with police officers even with high-paying jobs like doctors, I, I see it with everybody. You are a lawyer. You, you know you're you are a lawyer, and you got mm-hmm. to a point where you're like, I don't want to do this shit forever. I want to do it part time. I want to do the stuff that I like. I want right. to do it forever. So you took on the risk of starting a business, opening your own law firm, opening other businesses, generating more sources of income, sure. and those could all fail.
1: Absolutely, they could all fail at the same time. Yeah, uh, for sure. But I, I guess I'm going to go back to one thing: is I think it's more simplistic. Than that. I think it's that we need to appreciate ideas and the entrepreneur. I mean, all of us have a little bit of technician, a little bit of manager, and a little bit of entrepreneur, and yep. those are all indifferent. I'm like 99% entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? The other stuff I suck at.
0: I see that. <laughs> well, <I> see <laughs> but, that you're 99%. But,
1: but it's like, you know, if you have this idea and you don't know how to say it could be like a side gig and The fact that someone is more apt to choose like a stable job doesn't mean we should stifle those ideas. So my shtick is- No, we definitely shouldn't. We need to give them access to people and resources and knowledge to to tease out those ideas. And then maybe we'll see some of those people that are stuck in jobs creating a side gig that eventually becomes their main gig, but without the access and the opportunity and the people- that are willing to give that they're just going to be stuck in the shaft.
0: And I, I totally get your point of view and there's no absolutely nothing wrong with it. I just wonder if maybe I'm a bit more cynical in that in thinking that if people actually wanted to do that, they'd figure it out. They, they, like they'd find a way, like everybody has the internet. Everybody has resources. Everybody can, can look up YouTube videos of Uh, successful entrepreneurs that have built themselves from the ground up and learn about uh, their, how they did it and then try to apply, try try to take little, little um, um, try to take pieces of information from those people and apply them to their lives and and build their own thing. I I think that that's available. Now what you want to do is you want to take it to them as opposed to say like, well, they can figure it out if they want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a good thing. I th- I like that.
1: People have a lot of limiting beliefs. It's like, well, you know, do you want to go to war by yourself, or do you want to go to war with with other people, right? Yeah. And so when those those people make themselves available and show you that it can be done, it's one thing to look it up on the internet and have some abstract person, you know, true, right? And then have someone local as a resource that you actually know that will take the time to know you and bust through some of those limiting beliefs. Cause I think that that it it's just as much fear. Right. But also it's been ingrained in people, you know, you're not worth it or you're just going to amount to X or the things that we, that we universal, we, right. Families, whatever, tell children, tell people of color, tell people who come from a certain neighborhood. Like, I mean, all that is bullshit.
0: I think there's a, there's a definite, lack of encouragement when it comes to uh bringing up children mm-hmm. i think there's there's a lot of that for sure um i don't know what's worse to tell kids that they can be whatever they want or to tell them that they ain't going to be much
1: <laughs> what what is your problem with telling kids that they can be anything they
0: want it's bullshit that's, that's just totally wrong you can't be whatever you want
1: well what what is the most motivating thing anyone has ever told you when you were a child?
0: Oh God, I don't think I've ever heard a single one. I mean, not from my parents, not from my teachers, not Everybody the motivating thing for me is people telling me that I'm gonna suck. And that's when I will do everything that I can to eventually indulge in the sweet satisfaction and the undeniable pleasure of I told you so. Mm-hmm. When people tell me that you're not, you can't win cage fights. I go win cage fights <laughs> to tell me you can't you won't be good at a podcast well watch me fuckers. you know you're not going to reach your finance you can't be a millionaire by 30. we'll see i'm going to send you a screenshot of my mm-hmm. bank account bitch mm-hmm. we'll see uh that's that's what motivates me but um no I, as far as uh, hearing words of encouragement or like my parents telling me that i can i can do great things or my teachers is quite the contrary actually i was always in trouble i was always like the only interactions I had with adults were negative ones. They were telling me that, you know, I suck at school, you don't pay attention, you're not gonna be anything in life. Uh that was that was my childhood. There was, there was no encouragement.
1: Right. And <laughs> and and so you're you Which is actually
0: normal in the Middle East.
1: Self admitted <laughs> that you are different in the way that you see and approach and process things. And that's a beautiful thing because that gave you fuel mm-hmm. to be amazing, right? Not everybody's like that. Not everybody's like that. I, I would I would venture to guess. Again, I don't know the statistics.
0: But- well, uh, how, how about, uh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you, I want to give an example. But what were you going to say? I
1: mean, we see it all the time is when kids, young people, women, men, whomever, right, are are put down constantly, constantly, constantly. They start to believe that. And then that really gets them stuck into to wherever they're going to be. And the only way to get them out sometimes is, is external opportunities. It's people willing to invest in them time-wise, whatever-wise. I mean, the most motivating thing someone ever said to me is 100% bullshit. But I still remember it like it was yesterday. Tell me. I had this sweet, like, para educator. um, She was painting my face at a field day. And she told me, she told me, Alex, I think you're going to be the first female president. And, like, I tear up even thinking about (laughs) it. Because, no, I'm not, right? But to have somebody believe in you like
0: that. Uh
1: And she probably told every single other little kid. Right. Right that, but that stuck with me forever, forever. And so that's the type of shit that I want to pass on to little girls so that they know somebody believes in them.
0: I think that's amazing. I I think that's awesome. And I shouldn't cry. Oh, well, it's all right. It's uh, I'll cry with you if you like. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think think that's awesome. Um, I just, and, and the following is not a declarative statement. It's, it's a, it's a statement of, I don't know what to make of this. Um, Currently, approximately 10% of the population of the United States cannot score high enough on the ASVAP to be admitted into the armed forces. That 10%, if, if, if that, if those people, surely some of them were told that they can be whatever they want, Mm -hmm. right? is it a good thing to tell them that they can be whatever they want? Then they, then they go find out, Oh shit, I actually can't make it into the military. Or is it a, is it better to set realistic expectations? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I just, I don't think it's helpful to tell children you can be whatever you want. You can have whatever you want just because you want it.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's that's dangerous. I think
0: maybe if that's, you could tell people, you could tell kids, I think maybe if you told kids you could be whatever you want, if you do X, Y, and Z to get there, then I, I suppose that's the way to do it. But just for the, just for the hell of it, just because mommy and daddy love you, you could do whatever you want. Uh, th- I think that that's, that does more harm than good. Probably.
1: I like that in the sense that you can, you can do X, right. But these are the steps that you're going to have to, this is what you're going to have to sacrifice to get there. Mm yeah for sure I, I I think that being realistic about that, but then at what age do you do that because you don't want to stifle creativity. you don't want to stifle what makes a child a child and that beautiful stuff right True. so it's it's so complicated and above my pay grade because I'm not a psychologist yeah, or anyone what, yeah. who who deals with children on a on the regular that would know this scientifically or intellectually, but I can just speak about my experiences. Wow
0: um for sure and it's like i'm pretty sure <laughs> maybe this is a false memory but i think at one point when i was a kid so one of my sisters is a natural born citizen my parents did the the, the the immigrant thing where they came over here had her went back to the middle east so she's the only, the rest of us all got naturalized but one time yeah you know, we were kids we're having this conversation of like oh he's going to be president she's going to be president and um and I said, no, I'm going to be president. And my mom was like, you weren't born in America. You can't be president. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of the times that, yeah, maybe you need to hear
1: that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think there's, there's been some comedians that have talked about that too. Like, you know, if a guy's really short he's got a son who's like 5'3", you like, bro, you're not going to be in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just, I, I, yeah, I don't know what to make of that. But um, I do want to know about your app okay what's your app all about
1: oh my app is is the traffic tickets texas that one um and it is just an easy way where you can take a picture pay for your ticket i represent you all is good right that the theory behind it is literally you could take your phone and hire me the second that you get a ticket and never have to think about it again like that kind of thing.
0: Like Teladoc for traffic tickets.
1: Yeah, like <laughs> Teladoc for traffic tickets. But I don't prescribe meds. <laughs> uh, no, it helps a lot of people, and it expands access to to medicine. I get it. That's not the problem. The writing the needless scripts is right, the problem. Right, but right. again, past combo. Uh, but I want to incorporate some some other things too. Uh, open to ideas, but I I'd, I'd like to have. A place where you know you can take a picture of all your your stuff and store it as like a little wallet. So ID insurance, like you people get a lot of tickets because they don't have their insurance on them, you know, wow. if they had it in a picture like right there, mm-hmm. you know, on the app, that would be helpful. Good point. But I also want it linked to a a dash cam um, app. I'm working with an affiliate for that. So if they do have an encounter with the police, then they could have their dash cam type thing on there. And also Um, real quick videos of like, if they get pulled over, they can pull up my little video on XYZ. Like I'm, I'm getting pulled over. I have weed in the car. What do I do? Right? Like here's these four tips. Boom, boom, boom. So they have it fresh in the mind and they don't give away their rights, right? Or don't, you know, say too much or don't do all of those things. So as little reminders, so it's still in sort of the beta phase, but that's, that's where I'm going with it.
0: Is this something that you've patented? Because uh, you're putting this out there and I think it's a great idea.
1: So, that particular part of the app is not patentable. Okay. No, the, the software exists. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm actually a registered patent attorney too. Okay. I don't know if you knew that, but I
0: did not know that, yeah. but I might need to talk to you about okay. a couple of things. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, I
1: actually started an IP when I finished um, law school take two. I don't know if you heard this, but yeah, dropped out of law school the first time. Right after a year and a half, then how come? Because it was it for me.
0: <laughs> and then you still went back.
1: I did go my back. Goodness. I have a problem with unfinished business. Okay. So what okay. I did is I was so broke. Quality. I was so, so broke. I was living in DC. Um, so dropped out of law school, started my own like wellness coaching business, whatever. I was a personal trainer because I have a kine's degree. Like, and and that failed. And I was super broke. And so I decided to move to Dallas. And in Dallas, I, by the grace of God (laughs) or whomever, right, is your higher power, I got a job as a legal assistant at an IP, an intellectual property law office. And then I was able to pay my my bills barely. And then I got back into night law school. So I would get up, drive an hour to work, work a full day as a legal assistant, go to night law school, like go work out after that and drive it, you know, 40 minutes home, do that again and again over and over and over. Uh, But yeah, I went back. um, But then I was like, well, shit, I don't want to be a legal assistant forever. So then I moved up to a technical writer and then I took the patent bar, which is a totally different exam and then became a patent agent. And then I got my law degree and became a patent attorney. So yeah, I mean, it's just, that's my personality. I'm just never satisfied. Uh, yeah, never ever.
0: Um, boy, I forgot what my question was before all that. <laughs> that's did uh, I that's, did I patent it? That's so that's, that's, that's quite a yarn. Yeah. Um, th- th- was part of going back because you had already racked up so so much in loans that you felt like that's the only way out.
1: I was or, only. or was it
0: just that you had to finish what you started?
1: So I took those stupid career tests again, damn it. Um, I actually took the ASVAB, so I chuckled about about that because I was like, Oh, I can, you know, just go military. Uh, but I would make a terrible soldier. Like, self admit, Yeah, I, yeah. Make, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'd make a terrible make soldier. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. know nothing about guns, really don't like authority. Like, okay, uh, save. Yeah, real quick.
0: Save. That <laughs> that was always my thing. Like, like, no, I can't have somebody just yelling at my face and me following orders without questioning it. I just don't work that way.
1: Sure. For sure. So um, yeah, the unfinished business. And then I was taking those tests. Like what am I, I was in a real low in life. Like what, what am I going to be? What am I, I was living in a place uh, with a dude and his brother would like go out, (laughs) leave machetes in my laundry basket because he hated me and wanted, yeah. I mean, it was like, it was insanity. It was insanity. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. So finally, once I got the job, I was able to like get out of that situation. Um, but I think it's unfinished business and that's what every body and everything told me, like, you're, you're supposed to be a lawyer, like, just finish it. It'll be worth it. And then at that time, I think I was only about like 80 in debt. And so I went <laughs> only 80, only 80 is <laughs> yeah. <80's> manageable yeah. <laughs> at that point. Right. Uh, uh, so
0: this is when you were what, like 23, 24.
1: Shit. No. 2011 so i was
0: like almost i was 26
1: yeah so okay yeah um but but i did it i did it right and and it was a real interesting psychological thing because when i graduated from law school everyone around me was like oh my god this is the greatest thing ever and i'm like i'm embarrassed to even walk right because i had dropped out because i'm 29 by this time right you know it it was to me like shameful that it took so long and and i had so much debt and and all that stuff like i was just like and then of course like how you feel about being a millionaire by 30 like of course i'm gonna do that right it's like well yeah of course i'm gonna graduate law school right right so so it's it's real interesting in my mind because i have no problem cheering for somebody else in that situation and being like you are a badass that is amazing that you finished. And for me, I put so much pressure on myself that it feels almost shameful. Mm. You know, that I didn't do it perfectly the okay. first time. And that's absolutely unrealistic for anyone, right? Right. But that for me that was that was just how I felt.
0: I think that's why you succeed at the things that you do because it bothers you if it's not to your standard and you set yourself high standards and it's just like, no, I can't leave this project unfinished. That's actually how I got my college degree. I mean, I I just have a bachelor's. I'm like the least educated one in my family, right? Like my oldest sister is a doctor. The next one has a master's. I have a bachelor's and I have a brother currently in college. We'll see what comes of him. Um, but, my sister signed me up for college. I didn't even like after high school, I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to go to college, but I was also cage fighting. And I don't know. I just, I wasn't as active in registering. And then she just comes to me one day and she's like, Hey, uh, school starts in two weeks. You know, here are your classes. I signed you up for kinesiology. Cause I know you like to work out. Here you go. That's <laughs> awesome though. Good
1: job <laughs> sis. Well done.
0: I, I appreciate her for doing that for sure. And once I was in, I had to get out. Like, I can't, I can't, leave my degree unfinished and so um despite the fact that my gpa sucks it is what it is i got out in four years i was like i'm not going to be here a second more than i have to so i remember my last year i had to take full-time summer courses which just destroyed me but i made it out in four years and then that piece of paper is why i'm able to have the job that i have currently and and it it does it does open doors like kinesiology specifically you can't do much with that really. But for most jobs nowadays, you do need to have a bachelor's degree. Like they don't even care what it's in, especially if you go into an industry, like a sales industry. They don't care what your education is in. They just say, do you have a bachelor's degree? And then after that, it's your people skills, your performance, your numbers. That's what matters more than anything. But they wouldn't even interview you if it weren't for that. Yeah. So you needed to have it. Um, I like the thing that you mentioned. I wanna I want to peel back the layers a little bit about your app if somebody's getting pulled over Mm -hmm. you can communicate with them and tell them what to do to not give up any rights and so forth Mm -hmm. given that people don't really okay there's a number of things here first of all majority of people don't understand their rights exactly exactly they don't understand um what an officer can or can't do they don't know how to deal with the pressure of a really authoritative officer who maybe is hitting them with some lingo that they can't even make heads or tails of and which is why a lot of people will just comply to whatever the officer tells them oftentimes leading to their own self-incrimination without knowing wouldn't in knowing all this wouldn't it be better to just tell your clients the here's what you need to tell the officer, call my lawyer, nothing else.
1: I mean, sure. You still gotta be cooperative though. I mean, there's some nuances to that, but, um, I think not just only to my clients, right? Everyone has rights, whether or not they have a lawyer, right? And not everybody has a lawyer. So I want to make sure that they're educated to handle at least that little piece of it Mm -hmm. by themselves. Right. And, and knowing what to say and knowing just exactly right. What is a legal search? What do officers have the right to do? Can you still, you know, the smell of weed? This is why I love like recreational use being legal in New Mexico, because in the law, it actually says the smell of marijuana is no longer probable cause to search a vehicle.
0: Is that in Texas too? No. Okay.
1: Right. But that the New Mexico law that just passed changed that. Okay. So, so the smell of weed in a vehicle in New Mexico, right. Um, is no longer going to be probable cause of search in Texas. It absolutely is. And so that officer is getting in your vehicle anyway, but Mm. right, here's the deal is, if you consent to search, even if you think, well, he's going to search anyway or, you know, what, if you consents to search, then you have waived all these suppression issues that your lawyer, all your Fourth Amendment issues that the lawyer might be able to fight because you consented to a search. So you can say, you know, officer, do what you got to do, but I don't consent to a search. Still going to search the vehicle. But if they have violated your Fourth Amendment rights at any point prior to that, then we can suppress the evidence in the car. Oh, So that's a huge one because some, you know, people who are, who are not educated on it. will, you know, the, the officer is just going to say, well, I can search your vehicle. And then they're going to search the vehicle. Right. Some people will say, well, I know weed is, is probable cause of search or whatever. You can search my vehicle. Okay. I'll allow it. Right. But never, ever consent to search, even if you know they're going to do it anyway, even if an officer is aggressive, because you're waiving some issues that we as lawyers can effectively raise to get stuff thrown out. Absolutely. You can be cooperative without answering questions. You can get out of the car. You can follow their instructions without incriminating yourself. Absolutely. 100% and do do
0: what you want to do, but I'm not telling you uh, what to do.
1: uh, Right. Like essentially, well, I'm going to search your vehicle. Well, I can search your vehicle anyway. You know, do I have your consent because what officers are trained to do is get consent
0: Uh, because
1: uh, they know, right. Once you
0: consented, even if they stopped you for a smell of marijuana, if they find, if they find something else in there, they can also use that against you? you if you consented, but if you didn't, they can, it's only marijuana.
1: So, so it's, it's what breaks the chain. So let's say, right. Um, the, the stop is illegal or something like that. And then, you know, they, they start investigating something else and, and it's just what breaks the chain. So never consent to search ever, ever, never say the weed is yours. Never, you know, say where it is. Officers will sometimes try to say like, Hey man, like, When was the last time you smoked? It's none of their business. All they're trying to do is get enough. Yeah, right. To incriminate yourself or give them enough to continue to the investigation. Right? Um, It's none of their business. Like they, the law says if you're pulled over for, a, let's say, speeding, some sort of traffic infraction, right? There is a certain amount of time that it is lawful to detain you. Then after that, it's an extended detention.
0: What's that amount of time?
1: It's between like 8 and 12 minutes, you know, or whatever. So it's not specific? No, it's whatever the amount of time is. So it's not statutory. So there's statutory laws, right? The black letter law. And then there's what's been teased out in court cases, okay? So... The law says one thing, the court's interpreted on what does that thing mean, right? And so if you have an extended detention, the only way that you can have an extended detention is if they start investigating something else, right? So they pull you over for speeding because your car smells like weed. Now they're investigating Uh, another crime. So then they can detain you longer than it would traditionally um, be to To write a traffic ticket, Uh essentially Uh like that, right? So those are the things that matter. And you know, oh, if you don't answer my questions, you know, you're gonna be charged with obstruction.
0: That's
1: Uh not true. Yeah, you hear
0: you hear that on TV shows all the time. Yeah. Yeah, all the time. Either you cooperate or I'm gonna arrest you for obstruction. Obstruction. Yeah. So what do you do in that case if officer tells you that?
1: Do what you gotta do, officer.
0: Okay. I'm not stopping you, but... Uh, right. You I mean, you
1: know, just... But never, never, never admit to anything. And I know I always get challenged with this of because I say don't do the SFSTs, which are the field sobriety tests. I say don't admit to drinking. I say don't do the um, breath Those tests. Those are all make them, Yeah, make them get a warrant. Yeah, the SFSTs, you don't have to perform the field sobriety test. All you're doing with all of this stuff is creating evidence to use against you. Uh-huh. All of it, right? So I say... Don't talk about where you're coming from or whatnot. It's none of their business. Don't do the SFSTs because you're just creating evidence against you. The likelihood that an officer is going to let you go is virtually zero. I know that in some cases somebody's going to say, "Well, I got pulled over for DWI and then I got let go because I performed great on the SFSTs." More than likely, you're going to f- perform crappy because you're tired or you're, you know, whatever. You've had a couple beers or whatever it is, right? And you're just creating additional evidence that they're going to use in court against you. Anything you say on that recording is going to be used against you. And I always say, refuse the breath test. Make them get a warrant. Okay, those are all your rights.
0: Now, to get a warrant for a breath test, if the officer suspects you of driving drunk, they have you on their camera, you're Mm -hmm. swerving. Mm -hmm. So they they have that much evidence, right? They've recorded you swerving and they pulled you over. You say, no, get a warrant can they get a warrant and do it right there? Or wouldn't they, at that point, they'd have to arrest you and take you in or not, not, it wouldn't be an arrest. It would be, they'd be what detaining you, taking you in to do it. How does that work? So
1: it would be, it would be an arrest. So let's say in your example, they're swerving, right. And they pull you over and they say, you know, sir, you're swerving, blah, blah, blah. Have you, where are you coming from? Have you been drinking? You don't answer those questions. Sir, will you step out of the car? You step out of the car. Sir, you know, I suspect that you are driving under the influence. Will you perform the standard field sobriety test? Your answer is no, I will not. Done. Well, we're going to arrest you for DWI. They're going to do it anyway when you fail those SFSTs. So you get arrested for DWI, right? So based on that situation, all they have against you is swerving, right? And most likely you're out, you know, after But once midnight. they arrest you… then then they can
0: do the the breath test
1: no they can't they say do you consent to a breath test right will you take a breath test or however they phrase it no at that point they have to take everything that has happened in that interaction put it in an affidavit and present it to a judge okay right now all they have is time of night where you were driving and that you were swerving.
0: Right. And that could have been because you're tired.
1: Could have been. Right. And of course, they're going to put in, you know, most likely bloodshot eyes, slurge speech. Just depends. Right. Just depends. But then it's up to a judge to determine, is that enough to get a blood test? Mm. Possibly. Possibly not. Right. But all of those things at that point, I can challenge the stop as a lawyer then I can challenge the arrest because was it really probable cause to be swerving and bloodshot eyes that have other explanations, no admission to alcohol, you know, no SFSTs that they failed, which they're, you can't pass them, you know? So so all you're doing is creating evidence against yourself and that is your right to refuse all of those things. It's absolutely your right. And then if there's probable cause, the judge determined there is, then they can take your blood. That's what's allowed. But you don't have to perform the tests. You don't have to make any admissions. Those are your constitutional rights to say no. Now, you got to be pro- cooperative. You can't be agitated. You can't be an asshole, right? Like our law enforcement does not deserve that. It's their job to, right? right? right. But you can say no 100% of the time. Even if you see, like, the checkpoints, right, and they say you have to submit to a breath test, bullshit. You do not.
0: Right. Yeah, there's no probable cause at a checkpoint.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's the same thing. There's a lot of videos on YouTube about that, people going through DWI checkpoints and even immigration checkpoints, like when you're driving from El Paso virtually anywhere, you have to go through those checkpoints, and they ask you if you're a U.S. citizen. You don't have to answer that. Um, You know, the the example that you gave about – swerving and then they're they're them asking you where you've been mm-hmm. that happened to me 100% just like that a few months ago <clears throat> I was working up in Amarillo and driving back to Lubbock so like I drove to Amarillo in the morning driving back in the afternoon and I just like I I, I passed I see the state police I pass them and then you know I'm looking in my rear view and I see him take off and I'm like all right and I just keep driving, no lights, nothing. I'm like, "Well, whatever, you know, he's probably just needs to. I thought he got somebody else." After miles, he just keeps kind of like lurking in the back, just following me, and I'm like, "Okay, look, well, what's what's this about?" Mm-hmm. And so I'm of course minding my speed limit and everything. Finally, he pulls me over and comes over and um well, the reason the reason for the stop is uh, you were swerving back there. Have you had anything to drink or like you you went over the the the, the line or you know whatever he said something like that. And I said, "No." And um when they ask you have you had anything to drink i mean do you say yes or no do you just say you don't even say anything well i I said no and and and, well i asked him well he goes the reason for the stop is because of you know you went over the lane Mm -hmm. and and i was like i didn't hear him i was like what did i do and he's like oh you just went over the i said okay and and then and oh that's it you know where you coming from and i was like i hate when they ask me where you coming from because it is none of their business i hate that shit and i was like well i'm coming from amarillo i'm going to lubbock Mm -hmm. anything else (laughs) yeah like um nothing happened he didn't he didn't give me a ticket even you know there's nothing to give me a ticket for uh if i remember correctly there was something in the road that i i tried to to avoid like a like a like a blown up piece of tire or something that i always encounter when i'm going out of town I think those are bullshit questions and they are just using them to, to give you rope to hang yourself or possibly maybe this officer has seen some horrific things happen as, as a result of DWIs and he wants to do everything in his power to make sure that if you are driving drunk, he's going to, he's going to get you off the street.
1: For sure.
0: 100%. You know, I'm not, I'm not mad about it, but it is annoying when, when they ask you where you've been and where you're going. It's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> I'm like my mom, my parents never even asked me where I'm going when I was a teenager. Now as a 20 year old man, Mr. Officer needs to inquire about my whereabouts, mm-hmm. you know, same thing with the, with the, are you a U.S. citizen? I hate answering that question. I do it anyway. Sometimes I, I have those talks with myself. Like, should I, am I, am I empowering the system? You know, should I just tell him, well, officer, uh, with all due respect, it's none of your business. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah. It, it's it I want people to to know that that they can exercise those those rights and and that that voice, but at least empower people to to know that they can do that. And it is law enforcement's job, and that's why they're hmm. trained to to ask those questions one hundred percent.
0: For some reason, your camera just went down. I'm oh, trying to figure out. They're really like, what we're de- Well,
1: now that. Now that it's not focused on me, no, it is. Then, oh, damn, I was like, <laughs> "Phone <back>. check, phone <laughs> check."
0: <laughs> We're back. <clears throat> I don't know what happened there, but uh, a lot of this stuff, you know, you talked about earlier. You got some kind of conviction overturned. Mm-hmm. What can you give some details? Like, did you know that person was innocent? You thought, you know what, I'm going to defend this person. I'm going to get them off of that that charge.
1: So it actually dealt with police conduct. So, um, and you know, it. it this is a very polarizing issue, but I'll talk about it in general, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, so the the person, um, you know, and I, I probably shouldn't share too much of this because there is going to be a re- retrial. Mm-hmm. So as far as the, there was some police conduct that was coercive, okay? The, the confession, the statement should have been thrown out. Um, it wasn't. Right. We appealed it to the eighth court of appeals. The eighth court said, no, the police conduct was fine. I appealed it to the court of criminal appeals, which is the essentially Supreme Court in Texas for criminal cases. So they in Texas, they separate this the highest court. One is criminal only one civil. Um, And and they said, no, this was police overreaching. It was coercive. It's not in line with what the Supreme Court says, like confession thrown out. Right. And so now it's going to be a retrial, but it's all about police using coercive tactics to get people to talk.
0: And did this person confess to something they haven't done?
1: They not necessarily. I mean, the person I can't share, I can't share, okay, okay, yeah. I can't share uh, any, any of this, Well, but, uh, but I guess, I guess the issue I, is police overreaching. Like what, what is, constitutional for a police officer to do in order to get someone to talk. Yeah, so that's that's the case. And so so it really expanded um the a defense attorney's ability to challenge coercive police conduct, right? Because what has been accepted as the norm for police officers to use tactics-wise are now considered abusive or considered misconduct so
0: there really seems to be virtually no restriction to what an officer can do to obtain a confession i mean one of the things that they can do is they can lie they can like they can make up a story to get you to give them a confession they can say well you know we've got your buddy in the other room and uh you know they're they're they're, uh, they're already talking so if you want to get out of this Um, you know, I, I need your signed statement and we'll, we'll help you out. And, you know, we'll try to, we'll talk to the judge and we'll say you cooperated and they can, they can spin whatever story they want. Even though there's not even anybody in the other room, right? Mm-hmm. They could just make that up. Yeah,
1: that's why I never talk to the police without consulting a lawyer. But that's ever. so crazy
0: that confessions obtained off of stuff like that are admissible in court, right?
1: Yeah, it depends and, and on what And people go happens, to jail because of that. Right. It depends on what happens first, right? Is the arrest lawful at first? Is it a consensual ac- encounter? Like there's, there's all kinds of issues in there. The best two people to talk about this is actually a colleague of mine, Dan Marquez, and then Misty Duke at UTEP. She okay. does the the interrogations, the coercive confession. She's an excellent expert, but she can walk you through the entire read method and all that. But yes, I there don't know is why her name
0: sounds so familiar. I might have taken a political science class with her.
1: Yeah, she's she's great. I've used her as an expert before in in a case, but they they would break it down wonderfully for you. But but what I can say is that. That on the circumstances, if the arrest was unlawful to begin with, then the more abusive the tactics used by the police, the more likely it's going to get thrown out.
0: But the fact that they can lie.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it is, is
0: that's, that's where bullshit, the law is right, right now.
1: Right, 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 right,
0: That's such bull. Is that, does that fall under qualified immunity or is that something different?
1: I'm not a civil one. So don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't practice any civil.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I, I, I don't know exactly what qualified immunity constitutes um, as far as protecting officer behavior, but I've heard some lawyers talk about it. I listened to <clears throat> some of these guys um, from the Innocence Project
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they talk about stuff like that. And and just my goodness, like the amount of cases where they, that, uh, that people, people wrongfully convicted and even um, tried and executed. Mm-hmm. It's just fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. It's, and a lot of it is either people don't understand their rights they talk to police officers some of them are coerced some of them some of them just, like there's just nobody looking into their case it's just yeah. like they've been sitting in jail for two years awaiting trial they can't afford bail so they're just waiting mm-hmm. and maybe they get murdered in jail maybe they you know, whatever um or some of them eventually will confess to a lesser sentence or they'll take a lesser they'll they'll take a lesser sentence just because they don't see any other way out
1: Right. that they, They're risk averse, right? So, so this is the problem that I have with, and we'll go back to, to employers for a second, right? Looking at a, a rap sheet or somebody who was convicted of something at some time in their life and just writing them off as just a terrible human being, oh, yeah. right? And, and people plead guilty for a multiple multitude of reasons. One of them is they are guilty, right? Uh, but also because they don't want to risk trial. I mean, punishments in Texas for a first degree offense, it's 5 to 99 or life. There's a wide range of, you know, a, and and with other offenses too, like some people plead guilty because of need, you know, there's there's a lot of people who just take time served pleas because they want to be out of jail, right? In your example of, I don't have money for bail, like I'm oh. just going to sit in here indefinitely or or take a hit on a on a charge right so so that's one thing that that absolutely happens um and and it's sad it's, it's especially as we go back to the drug crimes it's it's sad
0: yeah the issue of bail mm-hmm. th- that entire practice of being able to post bail and and you can walk out pending your arraignment mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. Okay. Do, do it, you know well, the or, Do you know the origins the origins of that practice? The
1: origins of bail, I do not.
0: Okay. Well, um, people can get out on bail and flee, sure, and and never have to face the consequences of of their crimes. Uh, it also, I feel like, favors economic classes, right? You're you're far more likely to confess. I think I don't have any evidence for this to a crime that you haven't committed. Um, uh, if you've been stewing in county jail for a couple of months and you don't see another way out, whereas if you have money and you post bail and you're, you know, going about your life until your, until your trial comes up, um, I feel like you have a, you have more of a fighting chance. So one of the things that people talk about a lot is that our legal system targets, uh, I really don't like the term. I know you used it earlier, but it's, we're picking on each other's terms. <laughs> so, That's fine. I really don't like the phrase people of color because like, well, what the hell is white? Like white's a color. Sure. <laughs> you know I, mean? I, don't, I don't like that, that phrase, but let's just say blacks, Hispanics, whatever people of color uh, uh, refers to. I don't think that the legal system is designed to target ethnicity. I think it is, however, designed to target economic class. I think if you're poor, the odds of you – going to jail for a long time for a crime that you committed or not committed or have not committed are just far greater than if you have money.
1: I agree to that, right? Um but I I think institutionalized racism I I 100% think that that I don't know what what term I mean would you use for you would just call out the, the different races and ethnicities as what they are instead of yeah. people. Of yeah. Color. I just, I just
0: think people of color is kind of, kind of a goofy thing to say because like it excludes white people, but what's white? you like, what, are, what, what, what am I? I'm a ghost. Like, <laughs> what am I? I mean, I, I get your point,
1: <laughs> but uh, for brevity's sake, Um, so, so institutionalized racism is a thing. Nobody's going to convince me otherwise. Um, definitely economic, right? Um, so that's really the movement against cash bail systems and then also the, the personal reconnaissance bond. So are you familiar with that? I'm not. Please tell me. So a personal reconnaissance bond is letting you out of jail without paying money, right? So some of the low income individuals, um, or people that have been sitting, uh, and, couldn't get bail, couldn't get a bond hearing. Right now in El Paso, we're having 48-hour bond hearing. So everybody is entitled to a bond hearing within 48 hours where a judge determines based on a multitude of factors, past criminal history, do you have stable connections in El Paso? You know, have you ever jumped bail before? How egregious is the offense? All of that stuff. They determine whether or not that you stick with your surety bond or surety bail, right? So you can pay a bondsman to get out. A certain percentage, or you're let out on your own reconnaissance, that's personal reconnaissance bond, or some sort of split version of that, right? Let's say your bond is $10,000 and the judge reduces it to 5,000 corporate surety or cash, um, and then 5,000 PR. So that would significantly reduce your amount that you needed to get out of jail. And so that helps with the economic issue, it helps the issue of people just being stuck in jail because they don't have the money to pay. And then another thing that I think the judges here do a good job about is really teasing out the reasons why people want to plead guilty. I mean, judges don't get involved in that. But if you say to a judge or prosecutor, you know, like, can we look at the issue of bail because my client's thinking of just pleading guilty to this offense that he would otherwise take to trial just to get out of jail, then, then they'll revisit that. So steps are being taken to address some of those issues, but there's always going to be a risk of bail jumping. Always, always going to be a risk of bail jumping.
0: Right. And I'm not sure that if we eliminated the option of bail, it's like, well, what's, what's, what's the alternative? Do we not hold anybody until they're tried or do we hold everybody until they're tried? Right and like I'm I'm not sure because you'd have to go one way or another. I assume I don't really see another option. Either you're going to hold everybody in jail until you you until you reach a verdict, or you're not.
1: But yeah, that that could be months, years. I mean, it, correct. Yeah, I've- correct.
0: But but I think it's it's really unfair to people who can't afford their bail mm-hmm. that they stew in jail while people who have money can walk out until uh, until their trial. Have you seen the movie law abiding citizen? No, I have not. So there's a scene in that movie. I'll try to be as vague as possible for people who haven't seen a great movie. This guy is on trial. Maybe that's not the right word. I don't know what trial constitutes exactly. He's, he's at a court hearing for a crime that they suspect he committed and he makes a case. And then, uh, so the prosecutor's trying to deny bail. He makes a case for why he should have bail. The judge agrees and then he snaps at the judge and he's like, What the hell is wrong with you? I'm accused of a crime. You were about to let me walk right out the door just with money. And it's it's a very eye-opening scene, I think, to our legal system. Cause here's somebody accused of murder that's being tried. And then the judge is just like, Yeah, well, if you pay this much money, you can leave. And maybe he goes and kills somebody else. Maybe he's innocent. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But that, that that whole thing, like, I, it's something I think about, like this practice of bail just seems like there's got to be a better way. If we're going to assume that everybody's innocent until proven guilty, then we shouldn't hold anybody in jail. It's
1: unless proven guilty. My, my pet peeve. Say again? It's um, unless proven guilty. It's not until... Unless. Un- <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's a good catch. That's a, unless good, good catch. I always use it when I'm innocent talking, clued. talking
1: to a jury because everybody assumes it's until, which means it's inevitable. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very good catch. Very, yeah. Thank you. I'll, I'll make sure to say that. <laughs> no, I'll pay attention to how No, I, no, how no. Say
1: it's it. all good. I just,
0: yeah, no, no, I think that's, I think that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who picks on people's words. Uh-huh. So I love it when people do it to me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> But when you talk about, so that's, that's why I say that it's, I don't think the system is designed to pick on an an ethnicity. I think it's designed to put poor people in jail and give them a a lesser chance of fighting uh, those, those accusations. And so one of the things that I sometimes think about also is like how many let's, let's use black people, for example, how many black people who are celebrities have committed Pretty have done some pretty bad things, and Are we go into OJ and, 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 right and never now. never gone to jail. <laughs> I, I actually don't know much about the OJ trial. Okay. I I never really
1: You're looked too into the story, young for but, that. Too young
0: but for that. but in general, like I see examples of people of all ethnicities walking because they had they they could, they were able to afford a good defense. I mean like what can you give me some examples like what what have you seen that makes you say that that there's some targeted um, uh, uh, people like that that the system is targeting people there's institutionalized racism I think is what you said
1: yeah I mean empirical data, but I don't have any at the ready to give you the actual statistics but for sure institutionalized racism also the concept to say you know that, that officers, because if you're just talking about bail in a vacuum, like once they get arrested, it's worse for people who are in the lower, you know, economic statuses, right? Which tend to, in our society, be, and I'm going to use the phrase you hate, people of color, okay? But <laughs> I don't hate it. I also, think it's just kind of like... right? But then also, <laughs> you got to think about the step before we even get to bail, right? Are Officers arresting more people of color, black people, Hispanic people, whomever, right? Because of their own racial bias, Uh right? So then you've got that, then that leads to more people of color being in the system. Then you've got that institutionalized racism plus the bail system. I, I just, I mean, there's so much data that racism still absolutely 100% exists in our societies well, course, at all levels of course so why would we think that officers whether consciously or not are not taking that into consideration leading to more people getting arrested like that that's my issue
0: well <clears throat> for sure there's there's racism and for sure there's bias look there, there's there's racism there's gender bias for sure that exists now however i do hate it when people say america's still racist it's like no there are racist assholes in america that doesn't make america racist and, and you you could get into the finer points of 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 the legal systems in this state and that state and whatever but as a country like i think it's it's kind of silly to say that we're a racist country yes there's racism here sure i just i don't i don't buy into that 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 talk of America's racist, like, well, you know, what the fuck? Like I'd give a very, you know, common example. It's like, we had a Obama was president for eight years. You know what I mean? Like that's, that, that's not,
1: that's not, Oh, come on. Come on. That's, this is not a racist how country. Many, how many old white men were president for, look, I mean, come on. How look, long am not did saying. It take? I'm not
0: saying, I'm not saying that black people's opportunities at, at, make it into the white house weren't suppressed for a very fucking long period and of time Still
1: are in general, we're not going to agree on this women and, and people of
0: <laughs> <laughs> women, women, we're definitely not going to agree on, um, as far as minorities, I don't know. But, um, where was I going with this? I don't even remember <laughs> bail. Like our, our, I would like to look at a study that compares on average, bail requirements for white people versus black people versus hispanics versus whatever you know uh, asian i'd like to if there's a, if if we see on that in aggregate uh bail for white people is less than say for black people then you could say okay that's fucked up
1: i'm sure that exists whoever's watching this but i would Google need yeah, yeah but i would me.
0: have to i would have to i would have to look at a study that breaks down the numbers in aggregate takes every bail assigned in the United States over the course of, I don't know, whatever, some span of time and says, okay, we're going to separate by ethnicity and here's, and by crime and on average, here's, here's, you know, like a study would have to be done. And then if you see the disproportionately people of a certain uh, 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 ethnicity are having to pay more in bail than white people, then you can say, okay, there's something wrong there. And we need to do something about. But that.
1: you also have to adjust that based on you know people's ability to get get out of jail. I, I just I don't think we're going to agree on this. I don't think that that longitudinal study exists, but it would be cool to have. It would right? be cool because to have. I I certainly think that it would would shed light on the yeah institutionalized racism. Well, that I, I just permeates our country.
0: But have you seen examples as a lawyer? Like, have you seen examples where you've seen, let's say, a, a black guy getting in trouble or, you know, uh, getting arrested, let's say. Not getting in trouble, but getting arrested. And you looked at the arrest and you go, like, this is bullshit. And then you went to court and, like, you noticed that these people are picking on this guy because of the have color I, of his skin.
1: Have I gotten a case thrown out because of, you know, a pretextual stop or some officers having racial bias. I have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've, well, for I sure, <laughs> for sure. There
0: are officers who are racist for sure. There are, there are, there are people in the workplace who are sexist. There are people in the world. There are for sure that exists, no doubt. But as a country, I don't like labeling the United States as a, um, a racist, uh, male, you know, uh, uh, what's what's the term? Like a male... Uh, a uh, misogynist
1: kind
0: of... Like a uh, a country that suppresses women, doesn't allow them to be all that they can be, or that we're a racist country. Yes, there's racism. Yes, there's sexism, for sure. There's there's those people in every country. But I just, I don't like when people label the whole country as such. That's my point.
1: I mean, yeah. that's fair.
0: But I, I don't know. I don't know if, if when it comes to legal matters that the courts pick on your color or that your, your level of wealth determines how much you get picked on. And, and, and some of it could be environmental too. Like, like you come from a place where just by and large, it's people of a certain ethnicity and by and large, those neighborhoods are poor and they're crime ridden and people from those neighborhoods are always getting arrested. I mean, those neighborhoods exist all over America. So I I just I don't know I I don't like there's never really been a study that I can point to that breaks down um, behaviors of the court system and tries to isolate is this money related or is this race related Mm
1: -hmm. and and I think it's it's both and I think that your your same problem with calling um, America giving the United States one label right over another is this happens more frequently in some areas. It doesn't happen all that frequently in others. And so, you know, I've got to be careful because this comes off as like an anti-law enforcement, anti-judge type of thing. And we're just, I mean, I'm highlighting that it happens.
0: Of course, yeah, Yeah. no, of course it happens. And I'm certainly not anti-law enforcement. Like I tell people, and you know, geez, if you you really want to live someplace with no police, those places exist. And they're fucking scary. Like you don't want to go you to. You certainly one,
1: have as many you, guns as you want.
0: You don't want to go to. Yeah, you don't want to go to one of those countries. I mean, geez. Like I've been. At, like we have police in Lebanon, but you could argue, to, you know, to what extent is police presence actually playing a factor in the safety of our communities over there, right? Or even our military. Like it's practically a joke. And it's like, I will. I'll, I. You know, if I'm in Lebanon and I go to visit some friends. It's very possible that I'll walk into somebody's house and there's an RPG launcher on on their <laughs> on their dining table, you know, or like a bunch of uh, uh, guns that who knows where they got them from. Because it's not like you could just go to Sports Academy over there like you can here and buy them with with an ID. And that's a country with uh, with a broken legal system, and it's not a good thing. We got to fix the word Alexandria.
1: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> You're like, I'm not sure it's going to change anything, and maybe you know, all these aspirations of mine won't change the world well, in general, but maybe a little part of it, and that's that's what I hold on to, right?
0: Well, your name is the female derivation or the female version of uh, Alexander the Great. That's that's where it comes from. I mean, he changed the world, so.
1: Yeah. You can't. Why not it. I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First female president <laughs> right here. <laughs> and I think I just ruined it with the substance uh, of this podcast. So <laughs> thank you very much for
0: that. Well, <laughs> no, we didn't ruin anything. Look, I I rarely make declarative statements. I'm rarely sure of anything. Like, like the amount of topics that I've made up my mind on in this world are, are I could probably count them on one hand. I'm always open to having discussions and examining new points of view and, 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 opposing points of view. And so one of the things that I actually to one day, like when this podcast is on a, on a, on a large, large scale, tens of millions of people watching it, if not hundreds of millions is mm. to show people that you can have a healthy debate and you could disagree with somebody and still be cool. Like you don't have to hate somebody for, you know, cause they like this and you like that. It's like, you, you can you you can do that. You can have. I mean, we disagreed on quite a bit today,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and like, yeah, we're cool. Like, <laughs> at least, at least, I think we're. I'm glad. totally uh, cool. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, it's, but it's
1: it's it's good. You're right. It's good to have this this healthy kind of discourse without just the animosity, yeah. right? And
0: just and recognizing that just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean you're right. There's a lot of things that I feel a certain way about, but I go like, what if? What if? there's a different way to look at this, you know, and it's just a matter of time before somebody presents me a different point of view. And I go, damn, I never thought about that. Like, That's a good point. I think we need more of that. Yeah. I think, I think that's the solution,
1: right? There you go.
0: <laughs> um, anything else you want to let people know? We're almost at three hours.
1: Goodness. Okay. Uh, Goodness, the country. This is your
0: first country remark
1: of the whole episode. Oh, sometimes it comes.
0: Goodness, I got that from Doug Dynasty.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it comes out like when I'm filming my lawyer talks. I'll say something (laughs) in twang, and and my Destiny is the girl that helps me film it, and she's just like. And I was like, oh, "Okay, we're gonna re-record that." Let's, let's.
0: <laughs> I love it. Goodness. By the way, how much time are you devoting to your Lawyer Talk Thursdays?
1: Oh boy! Uh, like,
0: well, is it a substantial a project? It's a
1: substantial amount of time because of the research that that goes into it. The cool skill that I did learn in law school is the ability to research and distill information in the law and like give you something that you can understand. It's like, oh. that's a, that's a skill I learned in law school. Uh, but I would say I spend a couple hours researching and then maybe a half hour writing the script. I use a teleprompter now, and then maybe an hour filming it depending on how many I film. And then, you know, the girls cut it, they post it, they do all that kind of stuff. Then answering all the comments and all that stuff. Then I repurpose it in a newsletter form, a blog post, like all that stuff. So I would say four or five hours collectively a week.
0: That's quite a lot for how long are they on, on, on Couple average, like a few minutes,
1: less than five minutes. So you're usually. recording for
0: an hour and then you're taking three, four minutes.
1: Yeah. So I'm recording for, I'm recording for an hour because, you know, I'm a perfectionist. Right? Okay. So
0: you do multiple <laughs> runs until you find finally...
1: Yeah. And then sometimes I'll record, I'll batch and I'll record a few at, at the same time. Just mm. have like an outfit change Okay.
0: <laughs> or I'm
1: not happy with the script and then this. or gotcha, So gotcha. So more or less about an hour of filming.
0: So that's actually one of the reasons. So there's two parts there. Two parts to the reason why I chose to do this podcast live is one, I don't want to edit anything (laughs) because that takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And two is um, if I had to – trim out every segment where i didn't feel like i did an awesome job i wouldn't have an episode left because every single episode <laughs> there's, there's there's a there are a bunch of segments where i'm like fuck i like i should not have said that or i should have said that differently mm-hmm. um and it's just like i had to tell myself like you know what you just got to leave it be. there are at least there are for sure for sure like five things this is from episode one until now that every day I'm like, I'm just gonna go in and trim it. Nobody's even gonna notice. <laughs> but but nah, I've just, I've left it all. Um, the, only thing I, the only things that I have trimmed out are, are uh, a couple of times I got copyright claims for a video I played or something, mm-hmm. I had to trim that out. But as far as like my own performance, I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> I'm not perfect, what do you want from me? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, people get to see who you are,
0: right? Yeah, which may or may not be to my advantage. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know most of us are acquired taste so
0: Uh, (laughs) yeah that's a good way to put it all right well thanks a lot for being here this was a blast um and um i'll uh, i'll put the the link to your instagram in the description because i think it's awesome and i think people need to go check out your lawyer talk the lawyer talk thursdays so um that's it later everybody
1: Bye. bye guys